This is the most marketable corporate-sponsored sports entertainer of our or any generation, the hashtag feminist icon, E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle... The Whole Reffin Show. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Only Wrestling Podcast. It calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. We are entering episode 81 territory, folks, and we are also entering WrestleMania weekend with this episode. Play to talk about, we're going to talk all about NXT TakeOver New Orleans, as well as WrestleMania 34. Plenty of WrestleMania 34 talk in this episode. We also want to cover Fest Wrestling's latest show, Hardcore Hunt. You know how we love Fest Wrestling here on the only wrestling podcast calls it right down the middle the whole ref and show. Darren Beasley was on hand for the event, and he has plenty to report back to us. Isn't that right, Darren? That is right. And you know why there's plenty of WrestleMania 34 talk? Why? Because there's plenty of WrestleMania 34. It really is. It's good. There, there's quite good and plenty. It's good and plenty. It's a candy. That'd be a, good, <laughs> that'd be a good name for candy, wouldn't it? Good and plenty. Yeah, it is actually the name of a of a candy. Oh, okay, okay. It's like Mike and Ike, only it's good and plenty. I once ate a half a pound box of Mike and Ikes in one sitting. Uh, oh and, my God. And then I never ate Mike and Ikes ever again. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know another thing you shouldn't do? Huh? You should not You should not get the Red Hot Slushy oh at God. Christmas. Who would ever? Who would do that? I I think too many people, and that's, that's the real crime here. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a crime in most states. It is. I think it's illegal in 49 states. Uh, <laughs> legal in Alaska, because who's going to know that that place is so big and empty with all the snow and wetness? I assume. I've never been there before. I apologize right now to all our Alaska listeners. Uh, <laughs> so Fest Wrestling, we're going to talk about that. But of course, we also got to talk about uh, there, there was a death this week. In the wrestling world, we'll, we'll report on Luscious Johnny Valiant, but also a lot of life coming into the world as well, where we have not one but two babies to celebrate and talk about. So that, that that's good. That, that, that's that's an upswing, right, Darren? Sure. It's life and death, man. It's the pendulum. It's the circle of life. Uh, somebody's got to come in and somebody's got to go out. That's true. Very, very true. So, TakeOver New Orleans, WrestleMania 34, Fest Wrestling Hardcore Hunt. But we're going to start at the very beginning with them. Headlines. It is our unfortunate task to report to all of you, dear listeners, on the passing of luscious Johnny Valiant. Unfortunately, Johnny Valiant, at the age of 71, passed away this week as a result of a tragic auto accident in which he was hit by a truck as he was leaving the sidewalk. Uh, no more details were available at this time. Apparently, the, the driver who is at fault did not flee the scene. That's you know, better than if he had. 
nevertheless, this is a terrible situation. And uh, we're, we're very sorry to hear about the passing of Luscious Johnny. Uh, Luscious Johnny, who really in my lifetime existed um, as a, a frequent guest on Tuesday Night Titans, as a manager of tag teams. And uh, Luscious Johnny uh, really was sort of one of those early figures that kind of disappeared for me, like uh, the Grand Wizard and a lot of those uh, managers. Uh, there were a few, like Lou Albano, who lasted a bit longer, and then Freddie Blassie, who stopped managing, but they would bring him around a little bit uh, longer. And those guys would stay on my radar as I began to grow up. But Luscious Johnny exists in that, in those halcyon days of uh, early childhood when wrestling was truly like a, a clash of titans, uh, much, much high above Mount Olympus, like something you could not even believe you were seeing. That's where Luscious Johnny will always live for me. So uh, RIP Luscious Johnny. RIP indeed. 71, uh, a lot of wrestlers unfortunately don't get there. So, I mean, he, he had a fairly long life. Obviously, it was taken in a total freak accident, you know, no fault of his own. Um, you know, it was, you know, sadly, a lot of wrestler deaths uh, have to do with complications with drugs and stuff like that. But it kind of isn't that way anymore. Like, it was that way for a very long time. There was about a decade of that. And uh, luckily, that that has stopped happening. Well, first of all, you're talking about another generation, and now we're talking about another, another generation. And the, the 21st century mentality has changed a bit in terms of substance abuse as well as steroid use. And, you know, steroid use is never going to go away. All you really have to do is visit a local gym, and you'll see guys, it's like, oh, yeah, that guy is definitely on steroids. And most of them don't hide it. That's the reality. It's only when these people uh, participate in organized uh, competitions, whether it's bodybuilding or weightlifting or baseball or pro wrestling or the Olympics, that everybody, everybody begins to hide it. Nevertheless, I think the, the true abuse has scaled back over the years. And, of course, as far as the, the top of the pro wrestling mountain, say what you will about the wellness policy it works. I mean, it's absolutely preventing the widespread and hardcore use of hardcore drugs. It has not eliminated them. It will never eliminate them. People will always be people. People like to get high and people like to get strong. Uh, but I think it's made a huge impact. So I, I would agree with that also. You can't hide from that wellness policy unless you're Brock Lesnar where you can break it, and then still uh, wrestle. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, uh, to the stars, luscious Johnny Valiant, and thank you for the memories from the golden era of wrestling. Uh, so, unfortunately, a death this week to report on, but uh, also life. we got lots of wrestle babies to talk about, uh, including uh, Maurice and The Miz have their child, and uh, the, the It baby is born, Darren. The It Baby, that's right, Monroe Sky. Monroe Sky, born to Ms. and Mrs. Mizanin. And, uh, yeah, I mean, already has, a, already has a wrestling name. I mean, Monroe Sky. So I haven't seen Monroe Sky performing on the indies. I really, uh, I really <laughs> want to sometime. 
Well, you will in about 18 or 20 years. Right. Well, hopefully she makes it to WWE someday so that someone can refer to her as the It Baby so a, a horrible heel can call her the SH It Baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's oh, all worth man. it. It's all worth it for that to happen, Darren. It is all worth it for that to happen. Only 20 years. Come on. Come <laughs> on 20 years from now. I'm going to try to get really healthy so I can stay alive to see this happen. I, I hope so. You know, Monroe Sky, uh, maybe the person who will be calling her the shit, baby, will be <laughs> the daughter of Mike and Maria Bennett. Or yeah. Mike and Maria Canellis, whichever you like. This uh, little girl known as Frederica Moon, apparently they're going to call her Freddie Moon. Again, ready-made wrestling name. Yeah. This is what happens when you let wrestlers have babies. These are people <laughs> who spend most of their lives creating the names of fictional characters. So, of course, their babies are going to have fictional character names. Right. You don't see, you don't see any Elizabeth... Florence, no, 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 Elizabeth Florence Bennett. It's Frederica Moon. Hey, I book Frederica Moon, especially if she were fighting the shit baby Monroe Sky. <laughs> I feel like Freddie Moon though might go on to open up a, a, a happening nightclub somewhere in Hollywood. Uh, hey, Freddie Moon's place, of course. I, I do agree I'm that. Also- uh, Wrestling does influence people's babies' names. Uh, I know my first child will be will be born Shinsuke Hulk Hogan. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that was going to be the case way before yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura showed up. So. Oh my gosh. Shinsuke Hulk Hogan Smith. Right. <laughs> Firstborn son will be your. That was your firstborn daughter, right? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Shinsuke Hulk Hogan Smith. Yes, and I will have Gold Dust, the Undertaker Beasley. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I'll name my child Shinsuke Hulk Hogan Smith Rhodes. That way, yet another person can legally be called Rhodes on television. Uh, yes, <laughs> take yes. that, Cody. Good stuff. That is good stuff. That is good stuff. Congratulations, oh. then, to uh, the, the happy couples and their beautiful babies. May they live a, a, a long, fruitful life. Hopefully see them on the wrestling circuit one day. I was about to say, may they wrestle. May they wrestle. May they wrestle. May they it wrestle. is their doom. It is their fate. <laughs> yes. Well, very quickly, uh, before we leave, uh, this actually is not a headline. It's just a quick apology to you, fans of the show, you hashtag dear listeners. If you've listened to the show for the past few weeks, I'm sure you've listened for the past year and a half. You've been with us since the beginning. Every one of you I know has been listening since episode one. This is true. Uh, we appreciate you. Please come back for more. And you are aware that Darren and I, we, we've been, you know, sometimes we get into it on the show that there's some fighting, some harsh words are said. We disagree sometimes on things. Uh, we want to issue a quick apology to you uh, for wasting your time when Darren and I could not decide what to call the WrestleMania segment that we had on the show every week. I, of course, would call it the WrestleMania Roundup. And I, of course, would call it the WrestleMania Drive-By. <laughs> Drive-By.
And I'm, you know, I'm still not really big on the drive-by. I don't think Darren's a big fan of the roundup. So we decide to, to come together and, uh, you know, put away our differences. We're actually going to make an amalgam of the two. That's right. Dear listeners, you have been listening to the WrestleMania drive-up. <laughs> Well, hold on, Darren. We talked about this. We decided what name was best. And right. I thought I thought we agreed what was best was calling it the WrestleMania Round By. No, because that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well, no, you, 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 you know, everyone, you know, you... Take a left off the exit, you know, hang a right, hit the round by. No, then... no, that's not what that's not what that is. <laughs> it's the round by to WrestleMania, Darren. It makes total sense. Uh, okay, fine. Whatever. So we talked about WrestleMania on the show, of course, folks. And uh, it's it's one of the things you talk about going into WrestleMania, of course. So much news, so much going on. It's a big weekend for WWE in New Orleans or NOLA, if you're super hip. It's a big week for wrestling. I thought it was big a few years ago. I, I, every year it's get, it has gotten so damn big. This year it almost seems out of control. It is a full, it is, it's over a week long. In NOLA, with all the hip cats, and all the hep cats. <laughs> Hashtag well, NOLA. Not the hep C cats, but... Uh, oh, yeah, hope not. But... <laughs> but I... You know, all these people from all over the world, all of these companies, we're not even going to take the time to discuss all the shows because it would be impossible to make to get all the coverage. But do yourselves a favor and do the wrestling industry a favor because they're doing you a favor. Fulfill your end of the obligation here, dear listeners. Go and just Google WrestleMania Week Events New Orleans and just look at what's happening with all of the damn companies. I mean, again, I don't want to get into the list, but it's incredible, the talent, the matchups, the people that are doing double, triple, quadruple, quintuple duty, wrestling at all these shows, and not even wrestling at WrestleMania. Then there's all the invitationals that WWE is bringing into Access Week. There's WrestleCon. It is absolute amazing. What... You, it is impossible to only say that WrestleMania is now the Super Bowl. We mentioned this a few weeks ago. It's far more than that. WrestleMania is now like, it is, it is the Super Bowl, but it's also the Academy Awards. And it's also spring training. And it's, it's unbelievable. It's, 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 it's a season finale. It, it's everything. It really is. It is. It is. I like the idea that they're calling it now the biggest event in live entertainment. I mean, that's a very good way to describe it because it's everything that's fun about culmination and celebration and, and like, you know, award ceremonies and season finales and a sporting event and a movie film premiere. That's incredible. I mean, it's really incredible. But I will say this. My favorite name will always be the showcase of the immortals. It's a good one. Definitely is. 
So remember, do yourselves a favor. If you're in New Orleans or if you're at home and you're just watching all of this stuff on television, on the computer, on the network, on your Instagram feed, on your Twitter feed, enjoy this week. There's no better week of the year to be a professional wrestling fan or to be a professional professional wrestling fan like we are. And enjoy it, dear listeners. Enjoy it. Uh, it, it's all for you. It's absolutely incredible. And what we are going to tackle this week is coverage of TakeOver and WrestleMania. Let's talk about these cards. All right, let's get into it. Starting with NXT TakeOver New Orleans, Darren and I, we're going to choose our picks for the winners. It's a segment we like to call Head to Head. Head to Head. Saturday, the 7th of April, 2018, live on the WWE Network and live in person. If you find yourself in New Orleans, it's NXT TakeOver New Orleans. As NXT, the yellow brand, the farm system, the feeder league, whatever you want to call it, it's one of the hottest properties in all of professional wrestling, and it is one step from the top of the mountain in the WWE. NXT has amazing network specials in the form of TakeOver five, six times a year. And this is going to be the final one for this year. In New Orleans, we've got a five-match card that can't be beat. And I am excited, so excited for Saturday night. It will be the middle of three full Official nights of WWE celebration, starting with Friday night's Hall of Fame induction ceremony, moving on to TakeOver, and then the granddaddy of them all, Sunday night at WrestleMania 34 from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. But at TakeOver, we've got one hell of a card. One of the matches that we will see on this night will be what is being called an unsanctioned match as Johnny Gargano takes on Tomasa Ciampa. And I could not be more excited that we are finally, finally seeing these two take on one another right in the middle of the squared circle. It's unsanctioned because Johnny Gargano, kayfabe, does not work for NXT or the WWE any longer. And yet, William Regal is allowing Gargano to get back in the ring and get one last shot at revenge on Tommaso Ciampa. So I am excited about this match. These two, formerly of the tag team DIY, some of the best tag matches there, there ever were in NXT, came out of this duo. And now we're going to finally see them go head-to-head head head. in New Orleans. Yeah, I'm excited about the match finally happening. Obviously, the, uh, the build-up for this. Started way, way, way back when Tommaso Ciampa finally turned on Johnny Gargano after they lost, uh, failed to reclaim the NXT tag titles from the Authors of Pain. Um, so this has been a long time coming, and these guys have been friends forever. Um, so obviously for the two of them to fight, it's kind of like the ultimate grudge match. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, you're not going to find a more uh, heat-laced uh, matchup between two other folks and these two guys. Um, so th- there's a lot there's a lot at stake. Not a fan of, of the last steps to get here. Um, 
Johnny Gargano leaving NXT, but he's still wrestling in NXT. That makes no fucking sense. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tommaso Ciampa, when he came back, because he came back and attacked Johnny Gargano after Gargano lost to Andrade Almas uh, at the last takeover and failed to get the NXT title. Um, the only thing I didn't like about that match, which is fucking phenomenal, by the way, if you haven't watched that match, go back and watch Andrade Almas versus Johnny Gargano. Um, it'll change your life. Um, but it, a- it actually will. It, it, it actually was will. a very, very good match. Uh, it should have ended with Champa hitting uh, Johnny Gargano during the match and costing him the victory just to put extra heat on this match, especially if Andrade was going to retain the title anyway, then who gives a shit how he does it? Um, so to me, that, that was kind of a missed up, especially because, again, he attacked him anyway after the match. Would have meant a whole lot more to this feud if he did it during the match. Um, so, again, Johnny Gargano being one foot out the door <laughs> for this and it being unsanctioned because of it, it's kind of like, we don't know what the fuck we were doing, but we knew this match had to happen. Why would we send Johnny Gargano packing before he had a chance to fight Tommaso Ciampa? Like, that makes no sense to me. Kind of a misstep in NXT booking, which is rare, uh, if you ask me. Um, so, the match is going to go down. It's going to be a phenomenal match. We, we know what these guys are capable of. Hopefully, Tommaso Ciampa is 100%. Uh, he's not just coming back just to be back in time for WrestleMania weekend. Um, so, it's going to be great. But, I mean, it has to end with uh, Ciampa beating Gargano, right? It has to. Does it? <laughs> well, if Gargano, Gargano's not going to beat Champa and then leave. If Champa's sticking around, then why why put Gargano over, right? Well, I mean, you put Gargano over because this is his way back into NXT. So wait, he's 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 not being pushed out to go to like two hundred five live. You think it's just well, him? I mean, if he loses, then sure. Okay, but, but, but how, how how though how though is a promotion? punishment for losing though like i don't i don't understand if this were like a loser leaves town match or something that would make sense to me but it's it's to me there's so much uncertainty with johnny gargano where he's gonna be and like we said like we like you you and i just said this is the the season finale like where does that leave gargano if he loses this match if he wins this match where does it leave him so it is kind of like champa seems like he's sticking around so why would you not have champa win uh, no, I understand. No, I agree. But I think that this is sort of Gargano, the way it's booked is that Gargano is, th- th- he's not a part of the company. He's being allowed to wrestle in this unsanctioned match, uh, just out of respect for him as a performer, uh, you know, from William Regal's perspective, blah, 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 storyline, hashtag if wrestling were real. But, uh, I think that the way you deal with it, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, if Gargano loses the match, then yes, it's this is simply a vehicle for him to move to 205 Live. Yeah, okay, you no longer work for NXT. Hey, Drake Maverick, he signs you to go wrestle at 205 Live. Okay, well, bop, 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 done, done, done. Uh, Champa now starts a new feud in NXT. But Gargano wins. I don't know that the feud necessarily continues, but this is Gargano this match uh, is a vehicle for Gargano to come back into NXT officially. Again, all bad booking aside, you just get Gargano back on the NXT roster. So then what was the whole point? Why couldn't they just feud like a regular feud? There was already enough heat. You didn't have to add this, 
you know, lose your job step. But I don't know. Uh, because that because the result, the career trajectory being involved with the result, I don't know what to say. But I'm actually I'm gonna pick Gargano because I think the idea is to bring him back into NXT. And then sure, eventually maybe 205 Live or Raw or SmackDown, but I think this is a way for Gargano to get back, you know, hashtag if wrestling were real, into NXT. Right. So the very first match of the weekend, and we're, and we're calling it differently. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, the booking's so odd on this match that's kind of made my crystal ball a little murky. Um, me too, me too, for I, sure. I, I do think it is, uh, they're not pulling a, a Ty Dillinger where they gave him 20 farewells at uh, NXT. I, I do think Gargano is on his way out, but uh, I could be wrong. Dana's going with Gargano. I'm going with Champa, And that's that. Moving on. Uh, the North American title ladder match. This is an indie dream match come true, folks. This match is insane. I am so excited. This is, as far as a WWE product, this might be the most exciting match of the weekend. I I'm so excited for this. Adam Cole. Baby versus EC3 versus Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan versus Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream in a six way ladder match for a brand new championship that's got a bitchin' name and is totally badass looking with the dark red strap and the circular plate with the geography oh god i love it i mean the belt the match the contenders the setup uh i, I don't know there's nothing better there's nothing better on the books for this weekend than this match this this like uh kind of like how nxt is compared to wwe where it's like oh but these dream matches this is almost like in the nxt of nxt where it's like oh my god like they up the ante it's all these fucking people in a blender, Frankenstein, this one insane match. Like, this is like, who booked this match? And can I send them all the money? Uh <laughs> right, here, please take my money. Please take my big, weird bundle of flowers because you want a horse race. <laughs> yes. This is the Kentucky Derby of uh, wrestling. The NXT TakeOver is. Can you order those things from, like, any florist? I'm sure they can make them. It's just, like, what, a wire arrangement with a bunch of flowers all over it? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I never won any horse races, so I couldn't say, Darren. I, uh, I'm not a jockey. I was a little too big. Uh, <laughs> I want to get one, though. I want to get one made that looks like the North American Heavyweight Championship belt. Okay. That, that, that's definitely... You might want to get fake flowers. Otherwise, if it were real flowers and then they died, you'd be so sad. Hey, nothing gold can stay. Hey, this is true. This is very true. So this match, there's there's a little bit of everything in this match. Really there hard. There is. There really is. Really hard to pick a winner uh, because any of these guys could be the inaugural North American champion, and it, I'd be totally fine with it. it. It kind of isn't any of these guys' situation. Um, I will say. I will say. Regardless. Any six of these people, I am. I, I leave happy. Yeah. Like I don't. I, I don't care who I pick, who you pick. Any of these six people 
wearing this belt on Sunday is is is, is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I can I can easily see Velveteen Dream leaving with the belt because he's just a guy who deserves it, and you can tell they want to give him something. But there's only like one title they could possibly get at this point. It's almost like they made this title for Velveteen Dream. Um, I can see them put it on Lars Sullivan because you know they're pushing him to the moon. EC3, I see more of an NXT champion, like the the NXT title champion than this champion. Um, Adam Cole, I don't think necessarily needs it because I feel like NXT tag titles, he was kind of part of that um, that whole deal. It could easily be Ricochet that just kind of sneaks in and grabs this this title. I mean, it's 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 crazy. It, it's really crazy to pick a winner from this match. But uh, what do you think, Darren? Uh, I think it is very difficult to pick a winner. One of the one of my favorite things is, and uh, if you if you didn't get to see it on NXT, you can see it on YouTube or on WWE.com or the you know, the WWE YouTube is the best place to find it. Little packages, one to two minute long packages they made for each of these guys uh, leading up to this match. Very, very high production value. Very smart, uh, clever, sharp, really, really nice little uh, promo packages that spotlight them one at a time. Ricochet's is excellent. Ricochet's might be my favorite. um, Because Lars Sullivan, it's great, but it's as you might expect. It's like an old... Sid Vicious is just like, ah, Hulk smash. You know, just kind of, <laughs> yeah. I big, I break things. Uh, Ricochet's is really, really nice, though, and it shows him doing backflip burpees on the, the beach, and it makes me want to go to sleep. I get tired just watching him do it. <laughs> and uh, having never performed a single backflip in my life, watching him do, like, 50 of them... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's pretty impressive. So Ricochet, physically, physically on on a whole other plane, even than these, even than these other five uh, remarkable professional athletes. So I don't know. I, when we get to the next match, we're going to mention Adam Cole again, and it's it's his potential involvement there, which muddies this this for me. If there is a if there's a stain on Takeover New Orleans, it's the Adam Cole situation, which sucks because I love Adam Cole a lot and I hate to associate him uh, with something negative about a, a, a pro wrestling card. But we'll get to that in a minute. I, I think it's the, the muddiness that's going to keep Adam Cole from winning this match. Um, EC3, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Seems like he's just custom made for the NXT championship. Um Killian Dane, I don't know. Since he's part of a larger group and he's not the leader, it seems odd to put the belt on him. It'd be badass, but I don't think they will. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Velveteen Dream. I think it's between... I think Velveteen Dream makes the most sense. I think it's between Velveteen Dream and Ricochet. I really do. do I mean, do they, do they push Ricochet to the moon, immediately make him that champion? Because, I mean, to me, if Velveteen Dream wins... And then Ricochet and, and Velveteen Dream start a feud, then that that's oh. money in the bank right there. No, not it WWE money is. in the bank. Uh, <laughs> so who's your pick? I'm, I'm going. I'm going Velveteen Dream, and, and I, I okay. see I see Ricochet coming after him. Well, that they they have my ticket if they if they do that. <laughs> All right, so 
that match is going to be absolutely amazing no matter what. The next match is, is problematic. Like I just mentioned, uh, the next match is problematic. It is, first of all, doing a disservice, I feel, to the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic by being combined, not only combined with the tag team title match, but also now you you destroy the purpose of the bracket because a third team comes in here. So the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic bracket, the results were designed by moving on through vic- through the process of victory to be the Authors of Pain versus Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne. But now they've added in the tag team champions so that it can be for the for the trophy and for the belts. But why do the champions get a shot at the trophy when they weren't a part of the bracket and when the champions aren't even really the real champions because <laughs> the tag team champions are Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly of the Undisputed Era, but Bobby Fish is injured. So now it's Adam Cole, baby, and Kyle O'Reilly defending the NXT tag belts on behalf of the Undisputed Era. So what? So like Adam Cole not only potentially pulling double duty, which is such a no-no, such a no-no. It's one thing to do that during the Royal Rumble. Yeah, that's bad enough, and our dear listeners know how much I hate that. But if it's two high-caliber matches on a show that's only a couple hours long and, and, and are both have the potential to go for a good while, that, that, that's really not okay. And they're, both, and they're both championship matches, and there's like 100 people on the NXT roster. Not to mention the fact that Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne, who are also involved in this triple threat match, that in itself is a substitution with Roderick Strong coming in to sub for Tyler Bate, who got injured during the tournament. Um, it's it's th- this match is kind of like William Regal going, okay, well, uh, <laughs> we got to wrap up the Dusty Classic bullshit and the tag champions, and there's only two hours of takeover. Oh god, shit. Okay, okay, just all of it together, all of it together. Well, you know, and and that, that that's too true. And because we know how wrestling is really booked, it, it this kind of stinks. But hashtag if wrestling were real, this kind of like this kind of thing happens in MMA all the time. You 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 know you you purchase a UFC pay per view and half the matches end up being different because somebody stubbed their toe, uh, like you know in the locker room. Oh, sorry, your your title match changed because somebody. Uh, somebody got a boo-boo, yeah. and the athletic commission won't let them fight. But all you can hope, all you can hope for, I say, is is that lightning in a bottle of Seth Petrozelli knocking out Kimbo Slice, um, stepping in at the last minute. That's all you can hope is that when things, even in pro wrestling, that when things start to fall apart and they kind of get, you know, patchwork quilt back together, uh, that maybe. Th- it turns out to be a surprise, a good surprise. Right. Um, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> Not in this instance because so much of it doesn't make sense. But who knows? It could be great. Could steal the show. All I know is Office of Pain can't win this match because they cannot win two consecutive Dusty Rhodes Classics. If they do, then they really don't give a shit about the Dusty Rhodes Classic uh, Tag Team Classic. 
uh, because Authors of Pain are not a great tag team, and I've, I will keep saying that until they impress me. They've been involved in some really great matches, and they've been fine, but I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be seventy five percent the other team they're facing, and and, that, and that's just the way it is. Um, so really, it's gonna be between Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne and Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly winning this match again, both with substitutions. So I mean, booking got botched to hell going into this, and it it, it definitely it definitely shows because this is a clusterfuck the way by design. So. I mean, I, I think this is a really cool time for Roger Strong and Pete Dunne to be the tag champions. I mean, there's too much but bullshit going into this for it just to be Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly retaining the belts. Like, you know what I mean? Or Authors of Pain winning for a second year in a row. I, I think in the spirit of Dusty Rhodes Classic, where it's, you know, the very beginning it was what? Samoa Joe and Finn Balor who won? So it's kind of like, just these two good wrestlers get together and they put the work in and they win the tag team classic, you know. To me, I think that rings true here and I think that's a really smart move. And give Roderick Strong something. Something, please. I could not agree more about Roderick Strong. I want this guy to be decorated. They've celebrated him, but they have not rewarded him with pretty little waist decorations. He needs accoutrement. Come on! Hashtag accoutrement for Roddy! We just need 20 more belts in NXT to give all of our favorite people belts. But see, this is the problem. Do you put the tag belt on Pete Dunne when he's carrying around the UK belt as well? I think so. Again, Authors of Pain winning, no one's going to be happy about that. And then, no one's going to be happy And, and not, not even in like a, oh, the heels won kind of way. In like a, God, we do not like the Authors of Pain kind of way. Um, Adam Cole, if he wins this match and he pulled double duty and he's able to get a win, like like to me that's just like uh, that's not that's not good for me. Also, just all, all this bullshit and they just retain the tag belts to me. That's kind of a waste. So I'm, I'm gonna have to stay strong with old Roddy Strong, and and I'm done with Pete Dunne. Well, I don't know. Hopefully, they can be strong and get her done. And uh, but I, I'm also I'm also gonna I'm also gonna pick strong and done. Speaking of get or done, Darren, very quickly sidebar. Uh, I, I was for a while writing a sequel to Crocodile Dundee, starring Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, Crocodile Dundee Four, Gator Dunn. Uh, but oh my I, god! I, <laughs> I wrote the first page and I I uh, drank myself into a coma for a week. Uh, stopped. So anyway, well, I you know what? Unfortunately, I think somebody somebody took your script and they made it anyway. Damn it! Instead of instead of Larry the Cable Guy, they for some reason have put Danny McBride in there. Like, cause that what? I don't I don't want to talk about it. I heard that was an but, April Fool's joke, actually, or like a uh, it was just like a come to Australia commercial. Wait. Really? I think so. That, that, that's what someone said. I could be wrong about that, but that—that's what I heard. That's the last I heard about that. Or maybe someone hoped it was, but I, I don't—I don't know. Well, that was definitely me hoping it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone did, did that, but they also hoped it anyway. And I like Danny McBride, but stop it. No, I understand that. Well, I'm glad we talked about that. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, Women's. Don't see, that, don't see that movie if it is real. <laughs> And if it's not real, don't go to Australia. Don't out of protest. Out of protest. If it turns out it was an ad campaign 
then boycott Australia. We all know Paul Hogan's a national treasure, folks. Only he's a national treasure here, even though he's from Australia. Anyway, <laughs> NXT women's title action. Ember Moon defending against Shayna Baszler. Uh, this is Baszler's second attempt at the belt. Uh, unsuccessful the first time. Second time's a charm, they say. Actually, no, they say third time's a charm, don't they? <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever said second time's the charm. Well, I just did, and for now on, out of protest for no one ever saying it, I will only ever say it. Uh, I, I think this. Now, is, if anybody else ever mistakenly says it, I guess you get credit. So good for you. Yay! It's, it's my thing. I started it. I'm gonna patent it. Uh, so I, I think this is the time to get the belt off of Ember Moon and put on Shanna Baszler. Like, I mean, Baszler's already kind of established herself as like this badass. Like a legit badass in the same way that uh, Ronda Rousey is a legit badass. Only she's like the other side of the coin. She's like the, the if Ronda Rousey were evil uh, type of thing. Um, I feel bad yeah, for Ember she, Moon. She definitely, and she's, the, she's the evil version. She has a, she has a pencil-thin mustache. <laughs> yes. And she, she's going to tie Ember Moon to railroad tracks here and uh, laugh uh, while the train's coming very slowly. Um, but no, I, I, I think uh, I think Shayna Baszler would be a credible champion because she is sort of terrifying. And I take nothing away from Ember Moon. I think Ember Moon's a great wrestler. I don't think there's a lot to the Ember Moon character, though. I, like, like I, I don't ever want to hear Ember Moon talk on the microphone. I love watching her wrestle, but anytime she talks, it's kind of awkward and weird. And I, I, I don't know. Like she, she seems like the nicest person on the planet, so I hate even saying that about it. All the NXT house shows we've attended, and she's done the meet and greet, and, you know, it, it happens with an earshot, and she's just a sweetheart. So I, I feel bad saying bad things about her. But she needs to, to figure out what that character is, because I feel like it's a hodgepodge of three things at this point. Well, that's exactly the point. You're, 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 you're absolutely right on every level there. I tend to be. She needs to, she doesn't, we don't care about listening to her talk as a character, we don't care about investing in her as a character because there's nothing that she does that portrays a character. You know, when you when when we see all because she's done some of the best, like just another day at work at the performance center with Ember Moon, like <laughs> you know whether she's getting her ankles taped or whether she's doing you know squats or whether she's you know hitting the ropes at, at the PC. She's done a lot of segments, and she's always just, oh, my pal Ember Moon. She's just, right, you know, yeah. everybody's friend Ember, who's just, you know, getting a good getting a good workout in, getting a, getting a good sweat going. And it's like she doesn't have her contacts in, and she's wearing yoga pants and a PC t-shirt, and that's fine. Right. But if you're going to be that, then you need to shoot more promos, and you need to shoot them as like this white meat baby face. The problem is that her entrance belies all that because that has the kind of, not spooky music, but kind of, you know, there's a little bit of an edge to her music. And then the name, like she has a, like she has this kind of spooky name. She's got the contact. She's, she, you know, she's got some poses and like, you know, all that to me says there has to be an, element of magic and demons here there has to be an element of of character and it's not there she needs to either turn it up or turn it down 
But right now she's in the right. middle, and, and and that's no man's land for for as far it as character. It doesn't make any sense. It's incongruous. There's two parts of her that are incongruous, and they're being pushed simultaneously. It, it's it's and it's it's almost like a Finn Balor said he was the Demon King, but he only painted his well, face, uh, only painted his face, and didn't like add like the the weird walking and the weird mannerisms of the ring. He said, "I'm the Demon King. Let's wrestle." You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. it's, that, no, that's, exactly. that's kind of where Ember Moon is right now, for sure. And I think the main problem that I have is going back to the very first thing you said. I agree with you. I personally feel like I just don't care about Ember Moon as a champion. I like Ember Moon as a wrestler. I like to watch her wrestle. But I, the fact of the matter is I don't want to see her on the winning or losing end of a championship program. I need to see her wrestle good matches, um, and I don't want to see her chase a belt, and I don't want to see her as the champion. She's not very... Uh, she, she hasn't done a very good job of representing a division at a very, very high level. She, she just doesn't have the oomph, I feel, uh, to, to be sitting at the top. And if she does have the ability and they're not letting her display it, then... You know, that's that's NXT's fault. Regardless, I don't know that Shayna Baszler can talk either, but I'd like to see her take a, a, a stab at it because she's doing a great job with the character. And I think the character, the no-frills, leather jacket-wearing Shayna Baszler, just mean-mugging the shit out of people and carrying that belt on her shoulder, that would be badass. That would be what a champion needs to be. So I'm picking Baszler. I think this is the time to move on, and I think that this is the the, the girl to do it with. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I'll, I, I think we're pretty much on the same level as far as Ember Moon goes. Very talented performer, but it's hard to care about the character um, because there right. really isn't a character that's been fleshed out at this point. And NXT right. has NXT has so many great characters, and it's like you can't you can't do that now. Like you have to know who you are by now. Um, so Ember Moon needs to figure that out. So, I mean, the belt changing hands and going to Shanna Baszler, it makes more sense. They're pushing Shanna to the moon. It's, I feel like she gets more attention as just Shanna Baszler than Ember Moon gets as champion, as the women's NXT champion. Um, true. So true. I, I see the belt on her very easily. She can basically be a female Brock Lesnar for NXT, you know, uh, just this MMA fighter that comes in and just like, I'm going to kick your ass. Um, Hopefully not say that specifically. But, yeah, I mean, I think Shannon Baszler needs to take the belt from Ember Moon. So, you with me on that? I'm with you on that. We have, uh, if if we'd agreed on the first match, we would have identical picks here. Hey, we're just getting Um, started. It's a long weekend. Oh, is it a long weekend? Oh, I love a rainy night. In (laughs) our main event of NXT TakeOver New Orleans, dear listeners... They're defending NXT champion Andrade Cien Almas takes on Aleister Black. And Aleister Black is hungry for that championship gold. And I think he's 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 hungry to give Almas his comeuppance. I think Aleister Black is serving desserts. I believe he thinks that they are just. And I believe that that is an extended metaphor that makes me sound almost as silly as Mauro Ranallo. Are you saying that these are just desserts? 
Ari saying they're just desserts. They're what, just what's desserts. the big deal? They're just desserts. Okay. Alistair Black coming after Andrade Almas's NXT title. And Andrade's been surprisingly a pretty good champion, I gotta say. I, I think a lot of that actually, a lot of credit has to go to Zelina Vega. Uh, his, uh, his valet slash manager slash compadre slash party buddy, whatever this is. Whatever their arrangement is, but she's doing a really great job of being the mouthpiece for Andrade. Uh, it's helped him a lot. Um, he has the ability, I already mentioned earlier, you need to go back and watch Gargano fight Andrade almost. You'll see how good of a wrestler Andrade is. is. Um, and no doubt I, about that. That match is incredible. It really is. And Aleister Black, man, he's, he's definitely got a lot of abilities. A very innovative offense that he has. Very unique offense, which... These days, that's very unique to have a unique offense. Um, Truly, yeah. If any, I mean, if anyone does what Alistair Black does in the ring, they're trying to do what Alistair Black does in the ring. Um, so I'm super looking forward to this match. I can't wait to see it happen. It's gonna much like that uh, that crazy North American title ladder match. It's it's kind of like one of the one of the matches for the weekend. I think. I completely agree. And I think Aleister Black will win this match. I think so, too. I, I think so, too. I think NXT's invested a lot in Aleister. And Andrade, they kept the title on for longer than maybe even they thought they were going to. Um, but I think Aleister Black kind of needs to usher in the next season, the new season of NXT. And uh, what better way than a guy who is covered in tattoos and does lethal roundhouse kicks. Well, the thing about Andrade Almas is I truly did not care about him until he entered this championship program, which saw him gain the title and become a very legitimate uh, champion. Uh, everything about Almas's championship program has been excellent. It, it completely changed my mind about him before that I literally saw one match that I gave a shit about involving Andrade Almas, and it was uh, when he took on Oni Lorcan in Japan. That was an awesome match in which the two of them were really being celebrated by the Japanese crowd for their non-WWE careers. And, you know, NXT just piggybacked that, you know, response into having a good match with a good response. Other than that, I really could have cared less about Almas's NXT career until now. Uh, that being said, I will now continue to care about him as long as they keep him sort of on this course as a character, but he doesn't need the belt any longer. And Alistair sort of is in a position where hashtag if wrestling were real. And uh, wow, that's been absent from the show for a while, but I'm bringing it back hard this episode. Uh, <laughs> Alistair Black deserves it. Uh, slash has earned it, uh, slash I think would be an excellent, like you said, uh, usher into the new season. He'd be a great representative as NXT takes on uh, its, its new, 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 new complexion uh, after they start robbing uh, the roster for Raw and SmackDown starting possibly as early as this Monday. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Alistair Black, you know that everyone's on board for him as a, a competitor, as a 
as a wrestler, as a champion, we'll see. Andrade, I think he had such an impressive showing at Royal Rumble, um, this past Royal Rumble, where he was in the Royal Rumble match. I think that means he might be moving on up to 205, uh, or maybe even Raw or SmackDown. Like, I'd like to see him just wrestle normal, normal wrestlers, normal-sized wrestlers, you know what I mean? You're kind of... I don't want to say you're condemned to 205 Live. I'm trying to break that terminology. Also, especially because 205 Live is really becoming really, really good because they are starting to incorporate, like Darren and I have been saying for a long time, they've been needing to incorporate smaller guys with different skill sets and move sets and different styles so it's not literally the same match over and over again. I mean, you could accomplish everything that happens in 205 Live, you know, back the way it was and one eight-man cruiserweight tag on Raw, and basically not have to do an entire show for the cruiserweights. Um, if it's just, hey, look at us, you know, then, you know, you can do that in a match, really. So anyway, no, I agree. I agree. All the heavyweights don't wrestle the exact same style. Why should the cruiserweights? Exactly, exactly. And, of course, cruiserweights brought in to kind of break up the, the monotony of all the heavyweight matches. So, again, when you have all cruiserweight matches, you're creating the same exact problem, even though they're all cruiserweights. Uh, so anyway. Unless, like you said, you give them a, a method or methods by which to diversify. Correct. And I, I again, I, I'd like to see Andrade. Hell, I'll, I'd like to see him on Raw or SmackDown, but I'll take 205 Live. That's fine. But I do think there's not much left for Andrade if he loses the belt to Aleister Black. And, and there might be a return match, but ultimately Andrade will just kind of move on move on up. But I, again, I think he impressed enough to move on up to the main roster. So we're both going with Aleister Black on that one. That takes care of NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Only one of us can win this game of head-to-head. Head-to-head. For TakeOver. But that's on Saturday. we got to talk about Sunday where 30 hours of wrestling await us. Uh, it'll only seem like 30 hours, folks, but 30 jam-packed, fun-filled hours. WrestleMania 34 is on Sunday. Darren, let's do it. Let's go head-to-head. Head-to-head. On Sunday night, the 8th of April, 2018, live on the WWE Network from New Orleans, Louisiana, at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, Comes the granddaddy of them all, the biggest event in live entertainment, the showcase of the immortals, WrestleMania 34. That's right. Do you want to call it WrestleMania Fleur de Lis? You can. Do you want to call it WrestleMania New Orleans? WrestleMania New Orleans 2? You can call it all of those things. WrestleMania 34 is upon us, dear listeners. It is the granddaddy of them all. It is the super super card of all super cards in the world of professional wrestling. There's, there's at least 13 matches on this card. There could be more. Uh, there absolutely could be more. We're going to discuss what we know about here at the zero hour and uh, understand that the WWE could make a lot of changes at the last minute. Uh, we're going to discuss 13 matches we know are going to happen and one that's very, 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 very likely. Uh, let's start with the pre-show matches. There are three matches that are being announced for the pre-show. Among them is the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. And this, there's a lot of ways to look at this. This is a way to get everybody a WrestleMania payday. This is a way to give everybody a little bit of spotlight in front of the largest live crowd of the year and the largest worldwide television audience. 
Um, it's also a way to show off the roster. Hey, look who all we have under contract at the same time. Uh, everybody loves a battle royal. That's another way to look at it. It's also an opportunity to give a little bit of a push to somebody you're not necessarily going to put in the spotlight or put a belt on. Hey, give them a trophy. They get their moment in the sun. Um, it's it's kind of like a king of the ring. It's kind of like a king of the ring thing now where it's like just a title. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And of course there are negative ways to look at it, but hey, we're a positive we're a positive show, so let's not look at those negative ways of looking at it. Andre the Giant Battle Royal. There's been uh, illustrious winners in the past. Last year's winner was Mojo Raleigh, the whole Gronkowski affair. And also, we got our first glimpse that maybe they were going to do something with Jinder Mahal. Was Gronkowski Affair the sequel to Thomas Crown Affair? <laughs> yes. Now, that's a movie I would see, unlike uh, the Crocodile Dundee 4. <laughs> Gator Dun. Gator Dunn. With, with, with Lawrence, the cable man. <laughs> so that, that this, I mean, this, this right here is the... Uh, the potluck of matches. It is kind of like bring whatever you have, uh, which is a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of talent, which is, you know, it, it's it's already a big match, so everyone can't be showcased in the way they'd like to be showcased for WrestleMania. Plus, it's a kickoff pre-show, so it's not even technically the main card, even though it is. I mean, I don't even know why. Just, just, just make WrestleMania itself longer. Make them feel better about themselves. So, Derek and I, we're going head-to-head. Head-to-head. Which means we have to try and pick out a winner, which is really difficult to do. Because we, we don't know exactly everyone who's involved. People may be making a return into the match. I, I don't know what's going on here. Well, for starters, there have been 14 people announced. Only 14. Well, the problem with that is you know there's going to be at least 20 or 25 people in this match. Right. You're going to have, like you said, some returns maybe. Some outside one-time guests, you know, sort of like in the Rumble. And some NXT. They always have been putting some NXT people, sprinkling them in here and there. So it makes the match almost impossible. It really it really does. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and say Matt Hardy. Wow, look at you. Matt Hardy. Yeah, it's tough. And basically I'm just dipping my, my, my rod... And reel into a pond and seeing what comes out. <laughs> you gave me a look when I said dipping my rod, Darren. Um, so I, I kind of think that and I don't like this. But then again, I don't know exactly what being the Andre the Giant Battle Royal winner means anymore. Um, I'm going to say short of big cast making a return. And again, something we haven't really talked about at all is the fact that this match kind of means more. Because they had that HBO documentary coming out very soon about Andre the Giant. Um, so you might want to make this a bit more high profile than it actually is, but again, short of big cast returning during this match, which I think may, may happen. I'm going to go with Dolph Ziggler. I think it's time to throw Dolph Ziggler some kind of bone. I'm going to go with Dolph. You're going with Matt Hardy. And again, we don't agree already. Much like our NXT TakeOver head to head. Head to head. You and I are at odds. From the get-go. You know, they threw Dolph Ziggler a bone. It was called the United States Championship, and he threw it back. That's <laughs> so, uh, true. No votes, no votes for turncoats, Dolph. This is true. That actually, you saying that reminded me that that happened, and I want to change my vote. But I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Dolph. I'll stick with Dolph. 
All right, the women are going to have a battle royal of their own. Don't call it the Fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. <laughs> there are 13 women announced for this match. We will, uh, we, luckily, we will get to see the Riot Squad and Absolution, as well as several other highly talented women like Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch and Naomi and Na- Natalia. Uh, Carmella, bless her heart, carrying around that briefcase. Uh, you know, I, Becky Lynch, all of these very deserving women. This is this is almost like getting to see the Women's Royal Rumble all over again. I, again, this is they're never going to be better than this year. I don't think. I think that as time goes on, the women's division will eventually uh, falter, not and collapse, but just the same way that the men's division eventually did you, you, you it gets watered down over time and you know they need to strike while the iron is hot they did it with the royal rumble do it with this match you know all the women in this match really need to go absolutely crazy and and and, and earn their wrestlemania payday and, and 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 seize that spotlight ladies you know carpe diem which is not easy to do because in about a royal instead of a royal rumble everyone comes out separately in a battle royal, the match begins with everyone in the ring, and you can't move or do anything, so it becomes just a slugfest. And like we talked about with the Women's Royal Rumble, the big difference there is a lot of the women are about eye level with the top rope. So trying to get them over that top rope is quite difficult and awkward looking. Hopefully they can figure out a good way to make it look a bit more, I dare say, realistic. Um, so there's an issue there. It's going to be a fun match again. I mean, like you said, all these uh, great people involved, all these uh, colorful crayons, if you will, all these crazy hairdos. Um, It's going to be neat to look at, this calliope of of wrestlers. Um, But if I had to cast a vote, I say Ruby Riot. I'm going to give it to Ruby. Uh, Me too. You took the words right out of my mouth. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah, I I think Ruby, uh, not only do I want her to win, she makes the most sense. She she makes the most sense. I, I as seeing as it's the first one of these, I could see you wanting to put it on somebody that was a big part of the early part of the women's revolution evolution, like Becky or Sasha or something. But uh, first of all, Sasha and Bailey they've had their share of of glory. They've had their share of gold and their moments. Becky has been kind of deprived for a while now, so I'd be totally happy with a Becky Lynch win here, but I think Ruby needs to do it. Ruby, as the leader of her group, and her group kind of superior, in my mind, to Absolution, Ruby just has all of the things that are needed to to take this trophy home. I I agree with that. Also, Becky Lynch was my backup as well, but I, I do want to see Ruby win this. I will say one thing. Do not... Do not let Mandy Rose be the first one thrown out. If she is the first one ever to be thrown out of the Women's Rumble, the first one eliminated Elimination Chamber, and the first woman eliminated the Women's Battle Royal, that, that's a scarlet letter that she'll have to wear for the rest of her life. And that letter is loser, Darren. It's L for loser. Yeah, it is L for loser. Yeah, that would be 
Almost, that'd be like a Santino Morella level uh, curse. Right. And for someone who's oh, supposed to be Vince God. McMahon's pet project, I don't think they need to start, they need to keep that streak alive. Uh, moving on, Cruiserweight Championship title is on the line. It was vacated by Enzo Amore, what seems like 30 years ago. Man, uh, that does. It seems like a really, really long time ago. How long was this tournament? <laughs> it's forever. It was a very long time. In the finals for the vacant title, we have Cedric Alexander taking on Mustafa Ali. And uh, I got to go with Alexander. That is a bold choice, Darren. A very, very bold choice. And I agree completely. Cedric Alexander all the way. He's put a lot of work in. It'd be nice to see the championship belt on him. It, it could be either one of these guys. They're both very talented wrestlers. But I'm going with Cedric Alexander. Fair enough. I, I think he, uh, again, uh, people don't like me to use the word deserve, uh, or you know, but Cedric Alexander was a favorite in the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament, which started this whole thing. I think it's his time. I think it's his time. You put the belt on Alexander here. Uh, I think he has, he has more of a character, and I think that that's what WrestleMania is all about. It, it, it's no longer about you know, uh, I don't. I just don't think there, anybody cares anymore uh, about you know simple simple ability and heart. <laughs> it's like okay, we'll focus on your ability and your heart after you have a photogenic smile. Right. And Cedric Alexander has that, whereas uh, if Ali does, we haven't seen it yet. So my vote is for Cedric Alexander as well, as I already said. So that's two for Alexander. Moving on into WrestleMania 34 proper, like you said, I'd like to do away with the even calling it the pre-show. It's uninterrupted. It's all together. It's presented the same way. It's just one big card. But the United States title is on the line in a four-way match, a fatal four-way, as the champion, Randy Orton, defends his U.S. title against Bobby Roode, Jinder Mahal, and Rusev. And this... Uh, this is a good match to me. I like um, three of these people. <laughs> I uh, Anybody who knows me knows I do not like Randy Orton, and I never have, <laughs> and I never will. So I would be happy if anyone but Randy Orton won this match. Uh, Bobby Roode, not really doing it for me on the, on the main roster. His SmackDown Live uh, career so far has not measured up to his NXT career. And for that matter, for the sake of argument, his NXT career does not measure up to his TNA career. But I'm still a fan. I like Bobby Roode. But I am going to pick Rusev to win this match. Yeah, this is where you cash in your bonds. This is when you cash in your Rusev Day bonds. You know, make good on the investment that you've put in Rusev Day. Put the belt on him, damn it. Yeah, Rusev kind of thrown in at the last minute um, to make this a bit more different from the the triple threat match for the IC Championship, uh, which is happening later on. And uh, it was basically becoming the same thing. We talked about that before on the show. Uh, so throwing in Rusev made it a fatal four-way, and the whole Rusev day is really taking off in a big way. And I agree with you. It's time to honor Rusev and give him something. He's been U.S. champ before. Um, the only thing that I see happening... Uh, beyond Rusev just kind of sneaking in and getting in the win 
is maybe Randy Orton retaining, which I would not be happy with. I'd be so unhappy with that that I'm going to go with Rusev. Uh, so we're both with Rusev. Very nice. Moving on, Raw Women Championship Gold is on the line. Alexa Bliss defending against her buddy, her former buddy, I should say. But were they ever friends? Uh, we, we will never know. Taking on Nia Jax, the irresistible force. Nia Jax, uh, full of all kinds of emotion and rage, she goes into this match. And if she doesn't steamroll Alexa Bliss, then there is something wrong <laughs> with the booking of this match. I completely agree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag if wrestling were real, Alexa Bliss has crapped down Nia Jax's throat for weeks upon weeks here. And Nia Jax needs to deliver some comeuppance to Little Miss Bliss. And uh, you're right. If she doesn't win this match, there's something very wrong with uh, the current writer's understanding of what they're even writing. Right. Um, it, it's it's very odd. Nia Jax obviously had her feelings hurt with Alexa Bliss, uh, said a bunch of mean things about Nia Jax, um, and there was like an interview with Nia Jax, and she's talking about how hurt she was and how like she's been different her whole life and all that stuff. And I kind of felt like, for, forgive the uh, comparison, like Earthquake, you know, say like, oh, man, like back in the day going like, you know, people call me big my whole life, and it's upsetting. And like, you couldn't have earthquake be emotional. And I've I've always I've always found that kind of odd. If Nia Jax is this monster, like that, you can't call a monster because it might hurt her feelings. And that, to me, that's always been strange. You you and you could call Bull Nakato a fucking monster, and she was a large woman. You know, if she said like she was fat, she'd be like, "Grr!" and like kick your head off or something like that. But she'd be like, "Yeah, I am." Nia Jax, though, it's like. I'm a pretty woman, okay? I'm only a pretty woman. It's like, this isn't a beauty pageant. This is the world of wrestling. This is one of the few times where a large woman can really, really, really make something out of herself. You know, that this is this is combat sports. Your size is an advantage. You're also a very attractive woman, Nia Jax, but I, I don't like how she's like, oh, I'm fragile. I'm, I'm unbreakable. I'm, I'm unbreakable. You know what I mean? To me, that's kind of like, you're going to have to stick with one. You know what I mean? That's one big bone I have to pick with the Nia Jax character, but that has a lot to do with the way she's being booked. Sure. And I wonder if, she, I wonder honestly, you know, behind the curtain, behind the curtain, behind the curtain, what, how is Nia dealing with this uh, personally? Because we know that she is somewhat sensitive about her size in real, real life. Now, the fact that they're playing it out on television is that some people might find that cathartic. This this might be a breakthrough. This might be a breakthrough in therapy for her. I was going to say that. I agree with that completely. Or it could be very damaging. Like, oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for playing out my lifelong insecurities. <laughs> Billions right. of people around the entire world. Thanks, Uncle Vince. Right. Well, the, the only way you do this carefully is Alexa can't say anything that's too catchy that becomes like a chant that, yes. that, that Nia Jax hears forever. I, th I think that's that's the only thing that you have to be very careful about. You know, like, 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 that, like someone called what Alexa Bliss biscuit butt. And that was a chant for about a month. Luckily, it went away. Um, what if Alexa called her Naya Snacks? Whoa! Wow! 
That's uh okay. Well, Darren's a bad person. So, <laughs> so yeah, the, the the psychology of the match is very interesting because again, it is Nia Jax is like an insecure person about her size, and again, you're in the profession where you should not be. Uh, so that, that that that's very interesting. But as far as booking a wrestling match, Alexa Bliss is five foot nothing. Nia Jax is this very large, very powerful woman. She should just destroy Alexa Bliss. Like, regrettably, like, tears in her eyes because she's having to beat up what she thought was her friend. That part of the story needs to come out as well. But Nia Jax needs to just devastate Alexa Bliss. She absolutely does. I will say... The problem that you're having with it is is a, is actually a very big problem, and it's what keeps the women's uh, evolution from being complete. As long as you're still going to hang a, a huge part of this division on the concept of femininity and make it different and distinguish, then I think you're doing it a disservice in terms of equality. Now, if you're not having a problem with expressing femininity, then fine. But you cannot have your cake and eat it too. You cannot uh, demand equality, straight up equality, and then say except for right here and right here and right here. Because like you said, you would not have Earthquake sit down and talk about, you know, him getting made fun of when he changed clothes uh, for gym class in the seventh grade. Uh, <laughs> All right. Now, the, however, that being said, the closest thing I could compare it to would be Big Van Vader referring to himself as a big fat piece of shit uh, on the air because that was a little self-loathing. A little self-loathing. A little, little self-loathing, yeah. So you are picking Nia Jax as well because that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Right on. Well, moving on. Back from Raw over to SmackDown Live because this is a co-branded pay-per-view. The biggest show of the year. We got to represent the red and the blue. The blue side of things. Taking the guys who were in charge. The commissioner and the general manager. Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. The leaders of SmackDown Live are going to take on ex-employees. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. This match makes perfect sense. They've been building to it for quite a while, but boy, is it a cluster. Because again, <laughs> much like Gargano over on NXT, why are you paying non-employees to wrestle a match where you're trying to get rid of them? Guess what? They're ex-employees. You already got rid of them. Because hashtag if wrestling were real. Um, that makes and complete also, sense. Shane McMahon wrestling. We're tired of it. We don't want to see it. I like that he's back. I like Shane being a part of WWE. Stop wrestling at WrestleMania every year. Stop taking up time on the card. And then it goes without saying, holy shit, Daniel Bryan's back? This match is a cluster. Yeah, um, I mean, we, again, fans of the show from back in the day recall the last WrestleMania where I voiced, I didn't like that Shane McMahon was AJ Styles' opponent for WrestleMania last year. It's like, AJ could have had an amazing match with anyone else uh, but anyway, that match is okay. This one, though, like you said, involves the return of Daniel Bryan, where that is a very exciting thing, but not in this capacity, not in this weird tag match against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, who are with or not with the company. Like, it's just, uh, I hate everything about this match. 
Uh, I, don't, I don't like Shane McMahon wrestling anymore. I hate that this is Daniel Bryan's triumphant return. I hate that they don't know how to... Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens being friends, like, should be, like, a huge deal. Because it's one of it's a very long feud that's been going on for forever. Um, but it's, it's all kind of crammed into this one match, and I don't care. I don't care about this match at all. I completely understand that. Yeah. So, again, this really, really is the Gargano situation all over again. Zayn and Owens, if they win this match, they will be rehired. But, again, why? That's, <laughs> it's just not a good story. It's not a good story. It's not a good story. Uh, you have to know that the reason Daniel Bryan is put here, and there, there's plenty of bad booking. And there's plenty of bad booking over the years that doesn't have an explanation because there is no explanation. It's just bad booking. I understand. I don't agree, but I understand why Daniel Bryan's being booked this way here. I'm sure they feel it's been so long. He's been out of practice, et cetera, et cetera. Let's safeguard him. If it's not a great match, well, Shane McMahon's not a real wrestler. You know, if it is a great match, well, it's because Zayn and Owens carried him. I think Bryan's going to show out and, and really turn what is a cluster of a match into something cool. I think there's going to be maybe a WrestleMania moment in this match. Well, him just stepping in the ring again, you know, when he gets tagged in from Shane's, you know, there's going to be that hot tag moment. It, oh it, my it's, God. it's going to be in itself a WrestleMania moment. And if it were Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn or Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens, I'd be totally for the match. I'd be looking forward to it. Very anticipated and all that stuff. But again, this tag format's weird. The stipulations are weird. Shane McMahon exists. Um, <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> the, the, the thing is, though, this needs to be the end of the Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens saga. Um, but I, I, I do think Zayn and Owens has to, they have to win this match, um, and obviously come back because I, I do think it's important that uh, Zayn and Owens are victorious. If they're coming back to SmackDown, then yes. But if they come back to SmackDown, does that mean like Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon can't stay in their positions? So is part of the sacrifice that Bryan is replaced because he becomes active again? And that's the caveat for Zayn and Owens being back and things being okay. That Shane has to be there regardless of Zayn or Owens. But Daniel transitions. Or does Zayn and Owens actually lose? And as part of, you know, the shakeup or whatever, that, you know, the natural shakeup after Mania and then the superstar shakeup, which I'm sure will be happening in just a few weeks, we see Zayn and Owens go back to Raw. I don't know. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I forgot to. Uh, yeah, I, I do think now that Daniel Bryan's returning to active uh, competition, he will be replaced uh, from his leadership role. And SmackDown, I think the same with Kurt Angle, by the way. I think he's going to be done. I do think Jeff Jarrett's going to move into one of those spots, though. Um, I am excited about that. I, 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 am, I had not thought about that, and I really hope you're right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. Um, so with, with, with that potentially going down, I, I, you can't have Daniel Bryan turn on Shane McMahon because he needs to be a babyface. I do see Shane just getting fed up and turning on Daniel Bryan, though, uh, which I think a lot of people kind of see coming as well. So, yeah, I absolutely, no, no matter what, though, I do think when the dust clears, uh, the referee will raise Zane and Owen's hands. So, 
and I have to agree with you. Yeah. I think it's going to result in Shane staying in charge, being a heel, you know, no more babyface McMahons. He's going to be evil McMahon on SmackDown, and Stephanie will still be evil McMahon on Raw. But this time making Daniel Bryan's life difficult. Um, yeah, so. And, I, and I'm okay with that. So, yeah, Zayn and Owens win this match. All right, that's going to take us into the Raw Tag Team title match, which is very interesting because it is your reigning defending champions, Cesaro and Sheamus, the Bjarg. Uh They're taking on one man who has yet to uh, pick a tag team partner, Braun Strowman. Again, very odd that Braun Strowman is... is in the tag team spotlight at WrestleMania. There was definitely something wrong with the booking uh, somewhere along the line for this to happen. You could have very easily just had Strowman fight Cena or something like that, but whatever. So Braun Strowman finds himself uh, potentially the future tag team, one half of the Raw Tag Team Champions. He has not picked his partner this past Raw. We got a tease that he did have a partner. He brought out his twin brother, Brain Strowman, um, <laughs> which was which was goofy and zany. Can you imagine? Um, I, I'm gonna. Sp- I, did, I did like that. I did like that. It's. Uh, I mean, it's. If it's down to a couple people again, we got into this a little bit last week uh, with this whole situation. I. I, I think it's either going to be. You, you think it might be a returning big cast. I think it might be a returning James Ellsworth. Um, so I, I really think that's what's going to happen here. It, it's got to be a surprise. It can't just be like, oh, Apollo Crews is here. Like it has oh to be. God. It has to be a shock. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. But whatever happens, I do think Strowman does uh, win win the title with whoever he wins it with. Which means Cesaro and Sheamus. I mean, I know you like the bar, but I'm ready for them to get back into the normal the normal one on one singles competition picture again. Like I would love to see Cesaro trying to get like the the IC belt. Or like the world title, even Sheamus too. Um, I feel like the bar has kind of gone as far as it can. But that's to say, they're actually like the only good thing about the tag division right now in Raw because the tag division is just it's just depressing right now. Um, <laughs> so I don't well, know. You, you unpacked a lot there, so let me touch on a few things real quick. One, I don't want to see the bar go the way of the dodo. I like the bar. I want them to remain a tag team. I do think they will lose this match, regardless of who Strowman's partner is. It's bad enough that Strowman is not fighting for the Universal Championship. If you put him into a match and you give him a partner, how could he not win? Of course, the easy answer is you give him a partner that causes him to lose. I don't think they will, though. I think Strowman and his partner, whoever it is, will end up with the belts could it be Big Cass returning? Could it be James Ellsworth returning? Could it be Bray Wyatt returning? Could it be Elias with the surprise? There's a lot of options here, and a lot of them are good. I mean, set aside the fact that Strowman doesn't need to be in this position. All right, it, it's too late to debate that. It's happening. <laughs> right. Uh, that. So putting that away... All we can focus on is who's the partner and will they win? Whoever the partner is, they will win. I'm interested to see the way they win. And the way they win will be decidedly different 
according to who it is. A, a Stroman Cass team is going to win very differently than a Stroman Ellsworth or a Stroman Wyatt or a Stroman Elias. So we shall see, but I think Stroman needs some sort of thank you for what you did this year. Of leather strap to, 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 to show for his hard work. Also, the bar, they've been champions for a while, so if, they, if they'd lost the belts, that, that, that's kind of fine for me. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with that. So we're both picking Strowman and the mystery partner, yeah? We are picking them, and we don't know who the mystery partner is, but I don't think that it will matter. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, well, the opponents that we do know are involved in the SmackDown tag title match, uh, the Usos, the champions, uh, damn good champions, by the way, uh, SmackDown tag teams, <laughs> they know what time it is. Uh, they're taking on the New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers. Triple threat tag team match for the SmackDown tag championship belts. Um, this could go either way. I mean, really, I-, I can see any of these people winning. I really can. I can see the Usos retaining. I can see the New Day, you know, kind of a thank you that you weren't at the last show. Um, that you had to host, rather, not wrestle, but host the last WrestleMania Bludgeon Brothers, you know, it's the Bludgeon Brothers are unstoppable. They can't be beaten. Who can beat them? But but I also think if you make the Bludgeon Brothers win, it's going to be a Braun Strowman, who could beat Braun Strowman and whoever kind of situation, like where it's just, who who can beat these Goliaths to win the tag belts? So it's, uh, it, again, it's a toss-up. I don't, I don't know exactly where to go. Darren, what do you think? I'm going with the New Day. Wow, just and, I'm like I don't know anything. I don't know who I am anymore. You're like I'm Darren Beasley, and I'm going with the New Day just immediately. Well, you did all you did all the thinking for me. You 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 uh, you did all the deliberation, and I just uh, I was like yeah 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 <laughs> right. And uh, and I think at the end at the end of your thinking, I've decided the New Day will win. I, I think your thinking completed my thought process when I turned it over to you because I also think the New Day will win. Yeah, it's time for the <laughs> Usos to pass the belts along. Uh, their thank you has been repeated defenses. Uh, Bludgeon Brothers, while they're awesome, I like both of these guys as wrestlers. I like the Bludgeon Brothers as a team. It's early. It's early. It, it's the it's it's the veritable infancy of their tag teamdom uh, in this iteration, anyway. So uh, I I don't know. And like you said, do we put both straps on former Wyatt family? You know, is it just oh here's a whole bunch of backwoods giants? They're all <laughs> the tag team champions. Right, right. Yeah. You know, oh god, especially if somehow. Braun's uh, partner turned out to be Bray Wyatt. Now, how cool would that be? That'd be very interesting. Also, the fact that, like you mentioned very briefly earlier, Superstar Shakeup is going to happen very soon after WrestleMania. The Usos might show up on Raw, like, and and they're gone out of the picture completely. You so. know, you know what? You're you're right. And now I'm still I'm still going to go with the New Day. But now let me fantasy book for a second. Actually, that's what I want. I want Bray Wyatt to be bronze partner oh. i want them to win the, the raw belts i want the bludgeon brothers to win the smackdown belts and i want the four of them to encounter one another backstage at some point later in the show and just i don't, I don't even care what happens just to go hey look at look at us hey <laughs> we did it <laughs> it was all part of the plan brothers we got them bailed 
Oh, now somebody go get Randy. <laughs> Someone tell Randy. Oh, we got them bailed. That's our Bray Wyatt impersonation, folks. For those who don't, for those who don't recall us talking about the House of Horrors match, the, the, you'll be the sublet of horrors. <laughs> oh God. Okay, so New Day. We're gonna go with them winning the belts. Yes. 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 SmackDown Women's Championship Title Match. Charlotte Flair defending her belt against the Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka. Undefeated. This is being booked as the uh, championship against the streak. Asuka streak. And one of my most anticipated matches for the entire weekend is this match. Even though I hate, <laughs> I hate what Rod did to Asuka uh, on the road to this match. Um, I'm still not a fan of it. However, I mean, all that aside, this has a lot of potential to be a classic um, because Asuka's got one hell of a dance partner, and I, I I tend to say that Asuka, you know, can be can be good depending on who she's wrestling. But if you give her someone really good, then it just makes her that much better. So who who better who better than Canyon? But also who better in this situation than Charlotte Flair to be that dance partner, Darren? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that this is the match everybody wants to see. Sure, everybody wants to see Ronda Rousey wrestle at WrestleMania. People uh, dig Alexa Bliss, and people are into Alexa Nia because of the, the whole, like, uh, revenge porn, you know. But, uh, <laughs> well, but you know. The, you, you know. You know, the whole revenge porn. Yes. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Right. Everybody okay. loves a good revenge porn. Uh, Charlotte and Oscar, though, this is... The, the, Darren's these views are, may not reflect those of Perry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> these are pillars. Pillars of the, the, the new reality of women's wrestling. Uh, Charlotte Flair, second generation, statuesque, groundbreaker, amazing ability. And Asuka uh, already made a name for herself outside of the WWE. Comes into the WWE, what are they saying, 900-something days? Uh, uh, undefeated, like 260-something matches. I think it's 9,000 uh, days. Uh, it, well, uh, you know, her streak was very big before they even really made a big deal about it. Right. Like, I remember the first time they said she was undefeated, I was like, really? I thought she lost. But apparently she didn't. On this night in New Orleans, a queen will bow to an empress. And Charlotte Flair is going down for the one, two, three, as the Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka, will establish her absolute dominance and preeminence over women's wrestling in the world today. That's my call. It's a good call. It's a good call because you know that I agree with you. I do think Asuka's going to win in this match, and I hope it leads to a long feud of matches between the two people, and Charlotte can't quite get the win over Asuka uh, time and time again, but it's just going to be, it's just so fun to watch. You know what I mean? And if, if the streak weren't on the line and had Asuka maybe had the title beforehand, I wouldn't even care who would win the match. But as far as where the characters are at now, Charlotte Flair loses here. It doesn't hurt her at all. Asuka loses here. It basically would kill Asuka off completely. Um, so if you have Asuka lose in this situation, then you, you've just committed murder and Vince McMahon should be arrested after WrestleMania. 
Um, so Asuka has to win, um, and this match is going to be great. And that's really that's all I can say about it. Can't wait to watch it. Can't wait to talk about it with you next week. And it's incredibly true. It would be character assassination for Oscar to lose this match. Uh, so please don't do it. Right. You, 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 would, you would see a JFK-esque movie about Vince McMahon killing Oscar that came out by Oliver Stone after, after this, after WrestleMania. Back kick and to the left. Back yes, kick. Well, I will be sure to record this whole match on my cell phone then because... <laughs> I, I'd love the Library of Congress right next to the Zapruder film. There'll be the Beasley film. Right. The, 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 <laughs> the, the magic chair shot. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we're going with Asuka on that one. It's, it's got to happen. Can't wait to watch that match happen. Uh, icy title match. The Miz. The, uh, the new father, The Miz, taking on Finn Balor, who is the, the father of the Balor Club. And Seth Rollins, who is the father... Of that really high screechy voice that he has. <laughs> is he the father of it? He's, yes. the, he's the father of it. Nyum, nyum, Finn Balor. Nyum, nyum, nyum. Uh, <laughs> you know I like Seth Rollins. He's a great wrestler, great performer, but I can't hear his voice sometimes. So triple threat match, The Miz, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins. It's going to be a good match. It can't not be a good match. The question is, do you keep the belt on The Miz? Um, because, uh, again... All these title matches are going on, and basically it seems to us anyway that all the belts are changing hands. Is this the one situation where it does not? Do you think the audience is tired of seeing Balor and Rollins fight at this point? Because they've been fighting on every Raw leading up to this match. Is The Miz taking time off to go be with his, his family, um, which just got, you know, a plus one? So there's a lot of questions about that. The Miz, though, is a big fan of telling you how how many shows he does attend, how how he is always there, how he's had hasn't had a major injury, so he's always been around. So I don't know if, if the Miz will take a break. He was on Raw last week, so I mean it doesn't seem like he has any intentions to take a break. But I mean, really, any of these guys could win. I mean, Finn Balor needs the win the most. Seth Rollins actually at this point kind of needs it just as badly because Seth Rollins has been kind of floundering because they don't know what the fuck to do with Seth Rollins anymore. Um, it's tough. It really is tough. What do you think, Darren? I'm going to go with the Miz. Miz retaining the belt. I am going to go with the Miz because another thing that he does not hesitate to tell you is how long he has been the Intercontinental Champion. How many days he has held that belt. And you know the WWE never met a record they didn't want to shatter. Yeah, when they talk about records, that's when it's like, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. And I, I and it would be very hard to have somebody else come in and scoop it up and, and start over with at zero and break that record anytime soon. Meanwhile, you have The Miz. He's ready willing and able to do it and i do mean able ben balor is a great world-renowned technician in the ring seth rollins very accomplished as well but the miz can go he is able he is ready and he is willing and i think that he has that tweener je ne sais quoi right you know as pretentious as that sounds he really does have that where people love to hate him well, there, there. He, he is a bridge between the the quote unquote MTV audience 
and wrestling. And I mean that literally because of his connection to the real world. Um, but also being like Rolling Stone's favorite wrestler of the year. Um, that, that That's kind of a big deal. That's just more more eyes on WWE because of The Miz. So right. I do think this is the one rare example where the belt actually stays on the champion. And I think The Miz does sneak out with that belt. So I don't go with The Miz. We are in agreement. And then there was another specialty match. Now, <laughs> we kind of, uh, of poo-pooed the Daniel Bryan return, the Shane McMahon involvement, the uh, quote-unquote non-employees of Zayn and Owens match. This one, I will not poo-poo. Uh, in fact, I will applaud it because this is... This, this match reeks of WrestleMania history, of WrestleMania nostalgia, of that WrestleMania specialty match. Whether it's Mr. T being involved, whether it's Lawrence Taylor being involved, whether it's Leslie Nielsen being involved. Usually it's me making the Lawrence Taylor <laughs> reference, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Whether it's Maria Menounos or whether it's Snooky. That's right. I once paid good, hard-earned money of mine to watch Snooky wrestle. Talk about a bridge between the MTV audience. Hey, she did a good job, by the way. <laughs> she actually did a good she job. She actually did a good job. Hey, hey, that's hey, 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 hey. We call it right down the middle here on this show. The whole ref and show with the right only wrestling the podcast calls right down the middle. Snooki did a damn good job, okay? You know what? If you honestly, that was before The Rock came back and had what I consider a pretty badass like eighteen month run between WrestleMania twenty eight and twenty nine. Uh, in in fairness, because this is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The the Rock hosting WrestleMania twenty seven that we were promised, and I was particularly excited about. Um, if you want to stack up the Rock's performance in Atlanta on the night of WrestleMania 27 against Snooki's performance, Snooki was better at WrestleMania 27 than <laughs> The Rock. Take that to the bank, dear listeners. If you smell what the Snook is cooking. <laughs> so yeah, this does have that element of celebrity. Involvement because obviously Ronda Rousey is involved. Uh, for those who don't know, Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle are taking on Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. So it's it's it is a very I want to say gimmicky match. Um, the thing is, Ronda Rousey might be a celebrity, but she's also a, uh, a, a an athlete. She's, she's she's going to be on the roster for at least the the next fiscal year of WWE, so it's not like a one-and-done, like a Snooki or a Lawrence Taylor, so that there is that. Um, the only and, there's a lot, and there's a lot else. She's not just a celebrity. She The only reason she is a celebrity is because of legitimate combat sports history. Absolutely. I mean, at, at, like, unfortunately, she can't fight her way out of a wet paper bag anymore, so it seems, but at one time, <laughs> she was the most feared woman in the world. She was considered truly unbeatable, and of course, until she was beat. But I mean, you know, I, 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 like, I like how you're building her up and also tearing her down at the same time. You know man. why? You're, you know you're very why? good at that, huh? You know why? Why? 
This is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right now. <laughs> She's the best. She was podcasts. also the worst. She was wet, but she was also dry. And <laughs> hey, it's true. You can listen to any other podcast that you like. Don't. You should only listen to this one. But if you did, they'd probably be like, oh, Ronda Rousey sucks. She's only in wrestling because she can't fight in the MMA. She was always terrible. She's the worst. Or they'd be like, man, she is so great. that It was a fluke. Her loss in the octagon was a fluke. She'll go back. She'll go back. She's going to make her payday, and then she's going to go back. She's the baddest woman on the planet. Not here, not on the whole reffing show. That's why we wear the zebra stripes, because we're the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. And Ronda Rousey, she has been great. She has been beat. She is high profile, high energy. She is bringing a lot to the table. Sure, sure as shit, she has had some bad promos since she has appeared. She's also had some good ones. She does have incredible presence, okay? Maybe she pointed at the WrestleMania sign a little too long at Royal Rumble. Ever since then, I'm on board for Ronda Rousey, and she is a legitimate fighter. She is a legitimate world champion. She's tagging with Kurt Angle, who I could have given I could have given a shit about his teaming with the, the totally botched Shield reunion. This, to me, is Kurt Angle's return match, and I'm excited about seeing him wrestle. Also, Olympic champion. Many, many, many time, many organization world champion. Stephanie McMahon, a legit women's champion, multi-times over. And Triple H, hey, love him or hate him, he's the king of kings. Well, there are a few things I'm not too happy about in this one. Uh, you have Ronda Rousey, who, who doesn't quite understand the, the rhythm of, of promoing and, and, you know, being conversational in the wrestling ring. She'll get it. She's new. I'm not, I'm not harping on that. Uh, Kurt Angle... You know, poor guy's been dropped in his head so many times, like half the things he said just don't come out right. Um, <laughs> so putting them together in a verbal contest against Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, who are both very good at scripted and unscripted uh, material, is just kind of, you make Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey just look stupid. Um, so I, I do wish this was the Rock and Ronda Rousey against Triple H, Stephanie McMahon. Again, finish the circle that you started, you know, two WrestleManias ago. Um, and also think it would elevate. Or, or, or if we're going by WrestleMania 27 standards, I wish it were Snooki and Ronda Rousey. <laughs> I wish this were a boxing match uh, with with Mr. T and Snooki against Triple H and Stephanie uh, and uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas would be there at ringside. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not getting that, but I'm getting this. So I, I'm I'm not I'm not convinced that Rousey and Stephanie McMahon will have a good showing in the ring because how could they? How, how could they make Stephanie look like the least bit credible against Ronda Rousey? Because Triple H can't hit Ronda Rousey because that's just not allowed in these matches. The man can't hit the woman. I'm sure the woman could clobber the man. You know, no one cares about that, of course. Double standard. But anyway, that's just the way it is. That's my only fear is how do you make Rhonda and Stephanie look legitimate? Um, so I'm, I'm concerned about that. Kurt Angle and Triple H will be fine. They, they're, they're veterans. They've been doing it forever. I think, again, and that's... I, I, again, I am particularly excited 
about seeing Angle and Triple H mix it up at WrestleMania. I'm excited about getting past this match as far as Ronda Rousey is concerned. I want to see Ronda Rousey's singles match happen. So get this over with. This is kind of just testing the waters, you know, whatever. Get this out of the way. Um, but I do think, I mean, Rousey and Angle, do you think they win this match? Or do you think you think Triple H and Stephanie win? And Because, I mean, this is this is... Ronda can't lose her first big match, right? But Kurt Angle can for them. Yeah, I think Rousey and Angle have to win here. Okay. I, 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 are you are you picking Stephanie and Triple H? No, I'm I'm going with you on the. Uh, I think Angle and Rousey is more uh, more realistic because again, Rousey, it's too delicate of a thing to have Rousey lose in the first match. Even if she doesn't lose, it's still her first match is a loss. And the reason that is so huge and delicate is because of the coverage that her match is going to get in innumerable forms of media. Not only every single wrestling news outlet, including the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle of the whole ref and show. The only one that matters. The only news outlet that matters. (laughs) Right. But. In addition to that, you're going to have your Rolling Stones, right? You're going to have your MTVs. You're going to have Sports Illustrated. You're going to have every MMA news outlet. Every podcast, every magazine, every website that's MMA related is going to be talking about WrestleMania. And probably People Magazine. It's going to be everywhere. If all of those outlets say Ronda Rousey loses, no, can't cannot do it you cannot do that because then they're gonna heap on her ufc losses and all of a sudden she'll be discredited you can't do it you cannot do it i agree so i think we're both going with angle and rousey on this one yeah makes the most sense yep 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 so that's a match that definitely is happening it's definitely happening all the people have been showing up on television promoting the match doing press tours. It's definitely going to happen, okay? Now for a match that probably will happen. Uh, Of course, if you watch Raw, you know that John Cena for the past few weeks has been coming out, uh, calling out The Undertaker, berating The Undertaker, saying, you don't have any balls, uh, you know? (laughs) And by the way, that, that whole expression means a lot more when it's not everyone's go-to. I'll say this. I'll go ahead and say this now. Going into Lesnar and Reigns later on, you know, Reigns like calling uh, Lesnar a bitch and saying he has no balls. It's like, I mean, if every wrestler says it on the same episode of Raw, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Like you have to wait to use that one. <laughs> and so Cena calling you know Taker ballless and and a little punk and all that stuff and calling him a coward and and all that and and no Undertaker um, to show up. And even on the even on the last raw going into this, and and you and I talked about this off mic um, before we recorded, and we'll, we'll go ahead and get into it very briefly here. The go home show for Raw and SmackDown were horrible, considering they were the shows leading into WrestleMania. You had much better shows <laughs> leading into lesser pay per views than this. So I don't know what happened there. I, I don't know if WWE. Was so proud of themselves of keeping the Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy return thing from last year such a big secret until it happened that they want there to be more secrets at WrestleMania, which, by the way, I'm all for. But you can't sort of book a match, which is what's happening here with Cena and Taker. 
Because you know Taker has to show up. They wouldn't be wasting all this airtime. They wouldn't be giving John Cena 10, 15 minutes to talk about The Undertaker every episode if this wasn't going to happen. No, the only way Cena would ever, ever be, quote-unquote, a member of the audience and them celebrate that fact is if he were severely injured and all of a sudden it was like a triumph story of he got out of the bed and he's here in the front row. <laughs> hey, that's a hard bed to get out of, okay? It's very large. It's very high off the ground. Sure, sure. Or rather, rather very low off the ground. Those are harder to get out of. <laughs> it's just the box spring. There's no, there's no support. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so, I love when Darren just gives me the not- okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so wrestling. Yeah, John Cena's not going to sit in the in the crowd. Uh, it's not even going to happen. It's not even going to kind of happen. In fact, if it does happen, if that's the way it happens, is John Cena comes out and takes a seat at ringside, and then The Undertaker responds, it'll be the hokiest moment of the last decade. <laughs> I mean... You know, and we've seen a lot of hokey stuff, but that would just be loathsome. Undertaker deserves better than that. Now, if this is all the Undertaker's doing, then that's just all the more reason to put him out to pasture. And as I've said on this show before, dude is in my top five wrestlers of all time. Always has been, always will be. But stop it with the poor Undertaker booking. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Have the show open with The Undertaker or have a momentous arrival. Something better be damn good and meaningful. (laughs) And I know it's going to be an American badass and he's going to ride a motorcycle and wave a flag. And I'm going to be so pissed. Well, I mean, we haven't talked about this on the show yet. We didn't have time for it last uh, episode, but... The rumor is, and it makes it makes some sense with the whole Kid Rock being inducted to the Hall of Fame, that it will be the American badass version of the Undertaker, which of oh, course, God which, help us, which of course was not the dead man Taker that we're we're used to, but more the the badass, the American badass biker Undertaker, which I again I hate that era, and I think a lot of people do, except for Fest Wrestling Champion Effie, who apparently loves that. <laughs> Undertaker, and it's the only negative thing I have to say about Effie. Um, That's the only time I will ever disagree with you, Effie. You know what's funny though, Darren, is you're going to be at WrestleMania. Unfortunately, I will not be there with you. You're going to be there. Taker's going to come out to American Badass, and here's what's here's the sad thing. Here's the sad and beautiful thing, Darren. You're going to pop. You're going to fucking pop, and you know it. <laughs> No, I won't. No, I won't. Yo, pop. Yo, pop. I've got I got friends that are going with you. And they're going to report back to me. I want <laughs> I want any fans fans of the show. If you if you're sitting around, Darren, you see him pop for American Badass. You you call me. I have a hotline. <laughs> my hotline is just my intern's uh, cell phone, and just I, I answer messages whenever I feel the need to. I I I, I kind of I don't know. I think about this. I think he should. He should be done after the Roman Reigns match. You, you should never see Taker again. Him leaving was very emotional for a lot of people. It's kind of like, how do, you, how do you do better than that? So, 
to to bring back American Badass, it's almost like a get out of jail free card. It's like, well, that was the last we saw of that Undertaker, but now it's the man Mark Calloway. So I, I don't know. That's all garbage. That's garbage. <laughs> I'm trying to ease the blow of when you see Taker come back as American Badass Taker. You're not doing it. You're not doing a good job. Well, I'm sorry, Darren. You have brought a torch to bright burning Troy. <laughs> well, here, here, here's the question. If it does happen, and it probably will happen, we'll say 80% chance of this happening, who goes over? Does Taker go over on Cena? Because Cena care. has nothing to lose. <laughs> you don't care. No, that, that's that's fine. Cena has nothing to lose with a loss at WrestleMania. He just has to show up at Mania. That, that, that's a victory for Cena. Taker, though, <laughs> his 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 losses don't mean dumb. anything now. This is so dumb. I know, Darren, but this we have to so, pick. We have to this pick. Is so dumb. I know. I, I hate this. Like it'd be like if Hulk Hogan came back. As Mr. America, like <laughs> that wasn't Hulk Hogan. Hogan. That was Mr. America. They're two different people. Okay, there. Fair enough. Even worse, say Hulk Hogan came out this Sunday at the Silverdome. Uh, I mean the Superdome. <laughs> and let's say he came out to his WCW music. Like that's what this is. This is like. This is me and Mark Callis appearing, because that's all the American Badass one. This is, it really is. This is Brutus Beefcake making his return to WWE as the Zodiac. Or the Disciple. Like, More accurately, I, the Disciple. I mean, no. Oh, my God. Oh, gross. I know. Gross. I know. But pick a winner. I'm going to go. I, I think The Undertaker will win. Yeah. I'm going to go with Taker as well. I think The Undertaker will win. Cena Cena has already won at this point, just trash-talking Taker every week. I think Undertaker has to kind of take Cena down to be like, I still got it. I still got it. And then drive away no, into the sunset. Use that voice. It's, it's no, all... <laughs> he still sounds like no, that. His normal no, voice is still that. No, he doesn't. You don't remember Big Evil Red Devil by Yard Derp or Derp Derp. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Oh, well, then that's because you weren't watching it, apparently. I'll have to watch uh, some old stuff on the network. So Cena, Taker, not set, but probably going to happen. We're both going with The Undertaker on that one, even though we're not big fans of that version of The Undertaker. Uh, that takes us into our two title matches, the big ones. The big one for SmackDown, the big one for Raw. Uh, we'll start with the... WWE World Championship title, SmackDown Live's championship belt. AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, taking on Shinsuke Nakamura. A fight that I've wanted to see happen ever since Shinsuke was in NXT. A fight that I said would happen ever since Shinsuke showed up on WWE television. I kept telling you guys over and over again, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen at WrestleMania. Darren called me crazy. A lot of a lot of you fans said you need to stop talking about it. It's not going to happen. And guess what? It's happening. Yeah. So this is my most anticipated match for the entire weekend of uh, WrestleMania Takeover. Anything going on in Nola? I don't care. This match is wrestling to me. 
This match has so much buildup in my brain. I, I do like how they're building it up between the two of them. Where it's it's a show of respect. They're not getting cheap shots on each other. Basically, they're letting the fans decide who they want to cheer for. They're not going to make Shinsuke kind of beat up on AJ or you know AJ beat up on Shinsuke on the way in. Um, I, I love it. It's just going to be two great wrestlers fighting, and I got to like getting goosebumps just talking about it. I'm so glad it's finally going to happen. Very happy for you that you'll be there to actually see it happen in person. Very sad that I will not be there to see it in person. Um, but uh, I, I, I will say, as far as the last SmackDown going into WrestleMania, very disappointed that their main event was these two together against Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. Like, who the fuck booked that match? And, like, they, they barely beat Benjamin and Gable, too. And it was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You, you made your champion and the number one contender look like, oh, they're just okay. Um, so I don't, I don't agree with that booking at all. Um, but I, I like, uh, I like where this is going. And I do think that Shinsuke is taking that belt off of AJ Styles' shoulder, off of his waist. Wherever he wants to put it on that day. Um, what do you think, Darren? I think Shinsuke wins this match as well. He becomes the first ever Japanese uh, wrestler to win the WWE Championship. That's huge. That is huge. Nope. That is huge. No one, and no one deserves it more than he. Shinsuke Nakamura is one of the best wrestlers in the world today. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. He is unique. He is highly talented. He is charismatic as hell. Athletic, innovative, inventive, charming, um, and, and highly creative. Uh, this guy uh, is is professional wrestling. Uh, I like that he transcends an Asian identity, even in an American market. I like the idea that he transcended uh, any type of identity even in an Asian market. Uh, I think that he is a global superstar, and uh, his potential has always been there. He has met every potential, uh, and this is the latest one to, to be on top of, of the biggest company in the world, and he can do it, and he will do it on Sunday. I absolutely believe he will do it after these two put on what I think will be the best wrestling match that takes place on Sunday. I agree. Again, anticipation very high. I mean, and I, I, <laughs> I don't want to say I feel bad for him, but my anticipation is so high. My expectations are so high. It's almost like the movie you can't wait to watch in your mind. It's already going to be a great movie. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have all the confidence in the world that this, this will be a great match and a great WrestleMania match. So I... I I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just want to see it happen at this point. But I think you've got to put that belt on Nakamura. I mean, AJ's been a great champion. He'll get the belt back again someday. But I think Nakamura needs it for a little while. So I think so. I think, And we can talk about this and we'll talk about this in the weeks to come. But Shinsuke as the champion now has every reason to fight any and all challengers because he's the champion. Whereas before... His feuds never really made much sense because, not his fault, poor booking. But him as the champion, all your reasoning is is built in. Absolutely. So that's just one more uh, one more reason, absolutely, to put Nakamura over here. 
it, and, it's, um, it's exciting too because I mean AJ might move to Raw, and someone like Finn Balor might move to SmackDown and come after uh, Shinsuke's belt. I mean, stuff like that could happen. Luckily, the Superstar Shakeup does keep things interesting in that way, where you kind of break your mindset of okay, who's on what show because you never know what could happen. Um, but that takes us into the main, main event. This match has been a long time coming. It is for the Universal title. Brock Lesnar has held this belt since WrestleMania 33, defeating Goldberg for it. He's taking on Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, who is no one's favorite wrestler, except for the people that... They, they, some people like Roman Reigns. I, I, I won't say that. He definitely has a fan base, uh, mostly people who don't know any better. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Mostly and totally idiots. F- <laughs> we don't mean that, fans. You like who you like, and that's totally fine. Um, just not Roman Reigns. Unless you like Roman Reigns. Oh, we're kidding. We're kidding. We can't help but kid. That's what we do on the show. Uh, but it, it's WWE has maneuvered itself into a very unique position where um, I, I don't like they do this th- these days. The heels nowadays are written. You know, you know who writes the heels these days, Darren? Uh, who? You do. I do. Facebook does. They, they take all the fans' negative criticisms and basically use them in the script nowadays. I.e., Roman Reigns saying like Lesnar is an absent champ who's never around. He gets these big paydays. He's not worth it. He doesn't work hard like everyone else. You know, he's never here. It's like, well, you have the WWE start reading the comments under all the posts they do or something. Um, also, The Miz, the, they, the Miz does that constantly. It drives me crazy. He just basically reiterates what people say on Facebook. It's really irritating. But, that being said, they're using that a lot to make Roman Reigns the guy you actually want to see beat Brock Lesnar. And the thing is, I, I do want to see Roman Reigns beat Brock Lesnar so the belt does come home and stay on the show. Um, and, <laughs> you know, say what you want about Roman Reigns. He's there every week, and then that's kind of a big deal for your champion. You know, it was fun for a while for Lesnar to be around every now and again, defend every now and again. It seemed more like a UFC champion kind of a thing. Like, it made it a very special attraction, but you that can't cool do that. for a little while. But you can't for an entire year, though was asking yeah. way too much. So it's time for Lesnar to, to, to hand the belt over to Reigns. And that's the last time you'll hear me say that. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I want Roman to win so that the belt will be off Lesnar and that someone can quickly come in and beat Roman. <laughs> I don't like it. Do Carmella like will it. cash in her money in the bank and defeat Roman for the Universal title immediately. Okay. I do not like this match, though, as a coronation of Roman Reigns. I don't like this as, uh, you know, the completion of what started at WrestleMania 31. I don't like it in that respect. I do like it in terms of whoever's got it as a full-time person, and they're going to be on Raw every Monday. Right. I hate that that's going to be Roman Reigns, but I-, I am tired of the special attraction thing. That That's... That's run its course. I still like Brock Lesnar, and I love the Paul Heyman. Well, I'm you, sick of the special attraction. I, I know you hate the, the whole uh, that whole aspect of it. Well, get ready for Michael Cole to shove it into your face for uh, seven hours uh, when you watch the replay of WrestleMania, because you'll be there live. You won't have to listen to Michael Cole call this uh, call this event. Lucky you. 
Um, so, yeah, that's it. Roman Reigns will be victorious. He'll reign supreme. And uh, who knows what's in store for next year. I'm actually excited about uh, the outcome of WrestleMania, the fallout of WrestleMania 34, and see what happens next, what's around the corner for some people. A lot of people who were injured for a long time uh, couldn't get cleared in time for WrestleMania or were cleared in time, but they didn't, they didn't know where to kind of jam them in for WrestleMania. A lot of people are going to be coming back very shortly after WrestleMania. So looking forward to seeing uh, what the roster looks like when this is all over. But of course, I am actually very excited to see this entire show go down. So this weekend, I don't have to tell you guys, NXT TakeOver, New Orleans, WrestleMania 34. That's it for Darren and I. Our head-to-head. Head-to-head. We don't always agree on the matches, but I think we're going to agree that this is going to be a really entertaining show. And a lot of fun for Darren especially. He'll be there. There's nothing like being at WrestleMania, is there, Darren? There is nothing like being at WrestleMania. I am absolutely thrilled. This will be my fifth WrestleMania. And uh, I, I, I love every second of it. Yeah, they, they bitch about the show being too long, and it is. You're sitting <laughs> on your couch right. for that long. But if you're there in person, bring it on. Bring it on. Fight forever. Um, depends on your seat. The <laughs> seats were a little, little stuffy at uh, WrestleMania 33. Uh, but that's it for the head-to-head. Head-to-head. But we have to, of course, talk about what went down last weekend. Darren and I, huge, huge fans of Fest Wrestling. You know that, folks. You heard us talk with Rich Bokini about the card for Fest Wrestling's Hardcore Hunt. We even had the number one contender for the Fest Wrestling Championship belt, Leva Bates, on the last episode, Old Blue Pants from NXT. If you have not heard that interview, go back and check it out. And uh, you, you have a good time listening to that because we learned a lot about Leva, a lot about her past, a lot about her present, and a little bit about her future. But we have to go back into the past to talk about last week's Fest Wrestling Darren was there. He has a review. Let's go to it, man. It was Fest Wrestling. It was Gainesville, Florida. It was eight seconds. It was a Saturday night in Hogtown. It was the day before Easter. And why not have an Easter egg hunt? And why not make it the hardcore hunt? That's exactly what Tony Weinbender and friends did in Gainesville, Florida, last Saturday, March the 31st, 2018. From 8 Seconds Bar and Saloon, the country western joint where punks party and wrestle. I was there. Sadly, Perry, you were not there, but you were totally there in spirit. And the whole reference show was represented. Glad to be amongst the Fest family see all the many friends of the show, and catch up with a few dear listeners. Thank you, dear listeners, multiple of you who came up to me and uh, let me know that you were uh, fans of the show, that you were, in fact, dear listeners. And uh, always glad to meet uh, listeners of the whole reference show, like uh, having nice conversations and, and uh, you know, taking in a killer indie wrestling show. And that's exactly... Well, Fest Wrestling delivered, and they deliver every time, Perry. Typical of Fest, putting on a really great show. I'm on. I'm working the Twitter for us, the whole reference show. The only wrestling podcast calls are right down the middle. 
And I, I see all the all the gifts and all the videos and all the pictures and all the praise for Fest. It's always cool seeing people's response who had never attended a Fest show before. Um, and it, it's it's always positive. And uh, Fest is a very unique experience. And somehow the shows get better and better and better. I don't know too many promotions that can you know do that. Um, but it seems like every time a new show rolls around and it's just a new layer of uh, innovation from Tony Weinbender, um, the Hardcore Hunt match itself, looking forward to hearing about that. Um, <laughs> very unique match. And uh, just uh, the talent that's on the card anyway, a lot of solid stuff. We talked to uh, Rich Bokini last week about the card. Um, very excited about it. Obviously, Rich was there ringside calling the action with Max Gregg. You were there in attendance, uh, probably with PBR Tall Boys. <laughs> so you were officially there, but not on business, even though it is business because you have to watch and record what goes on. So it's cool. I'm glad you could be there, even if I am trapped on the West Coast, unable to go. Really hoping to make the next one, Bring Your Mom too. But... Well, I really hope that you can pull a Kurt Russell and escape from L.A. <laughs> yes. I hope I can make a bad movie, too. Oh... Uh, but you'll, you you might be able to do that, but you'll never be the last words that Walt Disney ever wrote. That's true. That is true. The fans who do not know, uh, when they found Walt Disney, the last thing he had written on a notepad was Kurt Russell's name, and no one knows why. <laughs> Unless he named his killer, in which case, that's eerie and spooky. Oh, Kurt Russell. Ooh. Walt Disney pulled a Mr. Burns and tried to... Tried to put his hands on the sundial pointing toward the initials of his killer. <laughs> yeah. So the hardcore hunt would be no letdown. It is just as innovative as ever. The talent was stacks on stacks on stacks. Tony Weinbender knows how to throw a big-ass fun wrestling party. The show opens with a video package of Tony Weinbender having a well, speaking of uh, PBR tall boys, having a few drinks with the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny in all of his pantomiming glory. Of course, we don't hear any voice out of him. I was curious, were we going to hear like like how you can hear Garfield's thoughts? So Garfield <laughs> doesn't actually talk, but he's, uh, but I don't know, he's, tele he's telepathic. Yeah, I'm not really sure how that works. Uh, well, you know, some... I don't know. It's very, it, I, I don't know how it works either, but the Tony, Tony could understand the Easter bunnies pantomimes. And uh, I think the Easter bunny is the one who gave him the idea for the hardcore hunt. Well, it had to come from somewhere. I guess the Easter bunny is uh, the most likely of culprits when it comes to making this, uh, this interesting, again, unique, innovative uh, experience. Very true. Very true. Tony Weinbender then comes to the ring in his nice pastel colors and Tony says, before we can get this party started, we have to address the fact that we've lost a member of the Fest family. We need to watch a video, a video package, constructed in memoriam of one who is no longer with us. And no sooner had Boys to Men begun playing over the PA system than we saw a slow motion black and white video of Jason Cade. <laughs> the whipping Jason boy Cade. of best wrestling. That's right. He's still getting beaten, even on cards that he is not a part of. Jason Cade, <laughs> who quit best wrestling 
and continues to be its whipping boy. Jason Cade, we hardly knew ye. We hardly knew ye. And then Matt Nix and Stevie Fierce come out to the ring. And you know what they came out to? What's that? They came out, and they being Team Stevie Nicks, as we called them. <laughs> Stevie Nicks comes out to Stevie Nicks. <laughs> That's right. Stevie Nicks, Edge of 17, uh, plays, and out comes Matt Nicks and Stevie Fierce of Freelance Wrestling. And uh, I, I could have I packed up and gone home right then because... That was worth the price of admission. I, I'm really glad they embrace the uh, Stevie Nicks joke, um, and they're aware of it. I appreciate it. I wonder how many of the the, the punk rock crowd uh, got the reference. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. I know that uh, I I howled as soon as I realized what was happening, and and I I, I looked around and I was not getting a lot of response. So I think there were quite a few people that were just like. You know, right on, whatever that music is, then it's pretty good, whatever. <laughs> but I was like, no, now it's so much more better than just good. Yeah, you, you don't realize how clever this is, folks. You don't. So, Team Stevie Nicks took on Team Milo Beastly. And uh, we had a lot of fun last week uh, <laughs> nicknaming these teams uh, in our conversation with Rich Bokini. But... <laughs> Stevie Nicks and Milo Beastly, they they uh, have they have a good match. They really do have a good match. Um, Milo Beasley really wrestling his ass off in this match. Stevie Fierce uh, really posing his ass off. Lots of lots of good work uh, with the mirror. Really working that mirror gimmick. Stevie Fierce is better looking each day. Uh, as they say. Well, that's interesting because C.D. Fierce, the last time we saw him at Fest Wrestling was at, uh, was at We Are Family, where he took on Effie in a singles match. He brought the mirror to the ring. It's like it's a full-length mirror that he had in the corner, um, and he barely used it. And that was actually one of my notes for C.D. Fierce was, like, why even bother bringing the mirror if you're not going to actually use it? So I guess he, he took that. I mean, I'm <laughs> not saying he heard me say it and said, well, that's a good point. But he definitely, uh, he definitely is uh, working that mirror a bit more, which is very necessary. Well, this was just a handheld mirror, but he definitely worked the shit out of it. A little pink handheld mirror. And, uh, you know, it's just the sort of thing that somebody who's better looking each day is going to uh, uh, put themselves into a compromising situation. That's exactly what happens here. A uh, lot of good action, though, out of uh, Matt Nix as well. And Beastly, Beastly, of course, wildly popular with the Fest Wrestling crowd, over like Rover. Um, at one point, Matt Nix hits a standing shooting star press on uh, Mr. Bearsley, uh, the sidekick of Milo Beastly. <laughs> and that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Also, we get a DVD on a DVD as Milo Beasley delivers the Death Valley Driver onto the digital video disc. Anyway, in the end, a great showing out of both of these teams. I'm sure it was uh, thrilling for all of them to be back in front of this fest wrestling audience. We've seen Milo Beasley in attendance at, uh, at many, many fest wrestling shows. We don't always have the pleasure of seeing him on the card, but uh, he definitely is a, he's a fan favorite. And then tagging with 
beastly will will add to that. Oh yeah, you want to up your up your charisma? Just <laughs> stick with beastly. Well, beastly he gets the he gets the crowd going. Next on the card, we had two spooky intergender teams. We have Carlina Gore and Saeed Al Sabah who are joining forces again. They tagged together previously at Love is a Battlefield 2 Electric Boogaloo for Fest Wrestling. And on this night, they take on the team of Darby Allen and Priscilla Kelly, Hell's favorite harlot. And these two, I was surprised to see them come out separately. I was very surprised to see them come out separately because they seem absolutely glued to one another, glommed onto one another, if you will, are, are Kelly and Alan. And they're perfect. They are perfect together. And that's why I want them to come out together. I want them to be just absolutely all up ends because that is the impression that I get from them. And the more opportunity they take to show everyone just how intensely uh, spooky their infatuation with one another is the better right and then they may not be like close close in the wrestling world where they're like a tag team so they have like a tag team theme if you're not going to have a theme like that then you know at least they should both come out at the same time and both of their themes should play at the same time so it's just all this garbled noise that's that's a bad idea that's a bad idea by the way don't do that no i think i kind of like that one okay okay then do that you know, uh, Priscilla really beats ass in this match. Priscilla is, she should be, her name should be Stevie Fierce. Because <laughs> Priscilla Kelly is rather fierce. There is a certain ferocity uh, in this girl. And Darby Allen, just reckless abandon, like we've said before. There's a big, big, gnarly bump early in the match as Darby goes over the top rope to the outside onto Saeed Al-Sabah, and they both crash to the floor, sending, you know, the first several rows of the Fest family uh, sort of moving out of the way like, holy shit, you know, (laughs) as the bodies fly and absolutely smack into that hardwood saloon floor where typically people are line dancing and uh, not (laughs) plancha-ing. Nevertheless, that unforgiving floor is the recipient of the bodies of Darby Allen and Saeed Al-Sabah. And that kind of high-flying continued. Sabah, uh, the the agility on Saeed Al-Sabah is stunning. The man will go from standing to flipping and twisting, again, from a standing position. And then, like, he'll be falling and all of a sudden throw, like, a half-twirl in there. Like, where the... Hell did he pull that out of? Uh, the man defies gravity, uh, which is very impressive. Darby Allen, Darby Allen uh, just fights a losing battle against gravity, and uh, he <laughs> and he doesn't care. He he just falls. He falls into situations that probably hurt him, but uh, I think they're designed to hurt his opponents, uh, and they do. Uh, meanwhile, Carlina Gore uh, continues to impress. For someone who is very small, this is a very small woman, uh, as a competitor, she is also fierce. 
and she can get all over the ring in a hurry. Should she also be called Stevie Fierce? No, no, we don't need three people on the same card. <laughs> but you said, Darren, you said. She does have her own brand of ferocity that, of course, includes breathing fire. Of course. Uh, which is, uh, of course, still at this point, my biggest takeaway from Carlina Gore, which is that is that's that's pretty wicked and very dangerous. And I don't want to be too close to it. But it's also smart too. It's kind of a it's kind of a trademark. It's uh if you if, if if you're a very very casual wrestling fan, you you make it to one or two you know uh, fest shows or indie shows. Carlina Gore comes out, so like oh that Carlina Gore lady, and then you'd be like oh the one that breathed fire. So you would remember that person, right? Yeah, above yeah, absolutely above and beyond. Remember her. Eventually, uh, the team of Priscilla Kelly and Darby Allen win the match when Allen hits a coffin drop on Sabah. And uh, like I said, he, he fights a losing battle against gravity, and sometimes it works out to his advantage. And uh, Darby Allen and Priscilla Kelly are your victors. Well, that, that's great. I mean, we, we talked about this match uh, again with Rich last week, and uh, I believe we dubbed Carlina Gore, Saif Al Sabah, Team Shwekwity. Um, team Sweat Equity. Um, and we knew it would be a really great match. I mean, all four of these people can be very intense. I don't know if it gets more intense than Priscilla Kelly. That girl, <laughs> that girl goes to a different place when she, like, I want to say she hulks up, but I feel like she kind of loses it throughout the match at different points. And it's, uh, it's great. It's always fun to watch. It's fun to watch any of these four. You put them all together. You got yourself a good tag team match, so can't wait until this match shows up on Pivot Share. Who else we got? Well, next up, we have two people making their fest debuts against one another. Simon Grimm, formerly known as Simon Gotch during his NXT tenure with the WWE's developmental territory as one half of the Vaude villains. He takes on Brody King the singer of God's Hate, and in a rising, meteorically rising, independent wrestling star, appearing at MLW and Defy and Wrestle Circus. Brody King is everywhere, and he is a not-so-gentle giant. Completely tattooed, blue-haired, bearded, and monstrous. This guy has quite a presence in the ring, and as Rich Bokini told us, he is extremely, surprisingly, shockingly light on his feet. This man can fly just as much as he can. Lariato! And much like Bruiser Brody, he's like Bruiser Brody and a luchador as one. Now, that that is a pretty stiff competition for Simon Grimm. Simon Grimm, also surprisingly big. I always thought Simon Grimm, nah, he's probably about 5'10", 5'10 and a half. Hell no, Simon Grimm standing uh, right next to me, eyeball to eyeball, and I'm 6'2 and a half, so not so small, Simon Grimm. Simon Grimm, obviously 6'2 and a half himself, and quite an impressive build, and uh, you know, we kind of stare down one another's mustaches, uh, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> a mustache. But Simon Graham, looking uh, considerably different than his time in NXT, 
he has a, a, a very odd Guy Fox mask that he wears to the ring. It's sort of silver with red eyes and a white leather jacket. And I'm not quite sure because we don't really get a lot of opportunity to, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't speak before or after the match. I, I'd like to know more about what the Simon Grimm character is all about. I understood Simon Gotch pretty well. I want to understand Simon Grimm. But Simon Grimm and Brody King, they get into it. Um, it's a chop fest at first. It is a chop fest to the extreme. They take turns, one another beating the hell out of one another's chest. Uh, Brody is is gnarly. Like, Grimm was connecting with some pretty healthy chops, but I thought Brody was going to to cripple Simon Grimm with these chops to the to the chest. Um like I said, Simon much bigger than expected, but Brody is huge. I mean, Brody is huge. Uh, nevertheless, Simon also, you, with his surprising size, strength, the strength is there. Uh, as Simon Gravitz, a big side suplex at one point to Brody, and uh, but Brody returns the favor, man. Brody hits a big release German on, on Simon, and it was like at that point, these guys have chopped each other to bits. They're throwing one another. Like, the, the, the throws are, are incredible. Uh, at one point, Brody hits a lariat. There you go with your lariato. Brody hits a lariat that totally sends Simon uh, ass over tea kettle. Then right into a fucking pile driver. And uh, I don't know. This match, it's somewhere between a clinic and a brawl. And I, I couldn't call it one or the other because it is back and forth between technical wrestling and a slugfest. However, in the end, Simon wins the match with a pancake that nearly turned ugly. Uh, as he sets up to deliver the pancake, Brody's legs come up off the ground a little bit too high. He almost turns himself into a lawn dart. And uh, <laughs> as the pancake... Uh, Started to look like uh, like a double arm underhook pile driver, which of course is a terrible idea. And uh, luckily, Brody was able to straighten back out and just sort of get slammed, which you know makes for a good looking maneuver, but is uh, is relatively safe as compared to being dropped on the top of your head. Nevertheless, Simon Grimm gets the victory. And uh, this was a cool, different, brand new match for Fest Wrestling. And I was super stoked to be able to see it. Yeah, like I've said before in past Fest Wrestling events, uh, it's, it's rare, but it happens. The match where it's like a one-on-one -on -one against two people who like the Fest crowd has never seen if they only watch Fest Wrestling or only attend the shows at eight seconds. Uh, but this, uh, this is one of those matches where both these guys were new to Fest and... Obviously, Simon Grimm already has a reputation for being Simon Gotch in WWE and XT. So that, that's kind of an easy one. Brody King, he just looks, you know, obviously very intimidating when you see him. So you just assume, like, this would be this would be a, a brawl and a good match. And I'm, I'm glad that it was that. I'm sure the, the audience appreciated it as much as you did. Well, for sure, for sure. These, these guys both got a big pop. Uh, their reputations preceded them. And then they earned a big pop. And so it was, uh, it was, it was glad. I hope to see both of these guys back. I'd love to see them now mix it up with 
fest regulars and, you know, maybe become fest regulars themselves. Um, I, I'd like to see both these guys wrestle again. I'm sure you will. Next up, we have a triple threat tag team match here in Hogtown at the Hardcore Hunt as three extremely charming heterosexuals take on Awaken, the team of Leon Scott and Wolf Taylor, and they take on the Ugly Ducklings. Well, we get another video package saying earlier today, and what appears to be uh, the rad bod of Coach Mikey <laughs> is in a bed surrounded by, get this, PBR tall boys. Nice. He's got an Easter Bunny head of his own on his head, and he's cuddled up with uh, a pooch. And uh, then we hear a quacking, but it's not because his ducklings are nearby, but in fact, his ducklings are not nearby, and they're calling him on his cell phone to say, uh, hey, coach, where are you at? And uh, he wasn't behind the at. No, apparently he was back at Ponds Unknown <laughs> and nowhere near Hogtown, and he was not going to be able to be there at the Hardcore Hunt with the ducklings. Can you believe it? That's sad. That is a, the ducklings without Coach Mikey. I mean, they're, they're going to have the, the wrestling covered because they're phenomenal wrestlers, but not having Coach Mikey shouting throughout the match and just being so charismatic as he, that hurts. that hurts. Well, because Coach Mikey does not have teleportation technology, he knew something had to give. So we see Coach Mikey get on the phone and call it a favor. We just don't know to whom. But he calls in a favor of an assistant coach, so now we have to await the arrival of the Ugly Duckling's assistant coach. Turns out, it's assistant coach Beastly. Hey, Beastly. Beastly making his second appearance of the evening as the assistant coach taking the place of Coach Mikey on this night. And he is with the Ducks, and he's in his best uh, Coach Mikey attire. And uh, with his uh, belly exposed and his short shorts and his Quack attack cap. Um, gotta, gotta love it. Also, the Ducks. This is the best gear I've seen the Ducks in yet. I'll, I'll dare call it their WrestleMania whites. Oh. As their, their pants, their vests, their kick pads, they're all bright white with what appears to be like paint roller, multicolored stripes. Really sharp looking. They've never looked more uniform uh, at any point. I, I think the Ducks are really, really stepping it up. They, they've always got the best merchandise, and God knows they can beat ass in the ring. But everything else, man, just continues to improve. Gotta love the Ugly Ducklings. Friends of the show. Friends of the show. Oh, also, did I mention hashtag there's Jim Sherbear? <laughs> so we get Jim, Jim Sherbear who has been absent from quite a few shows lately. He was at the last one, uh, but he's, he's he's here this one. No Coach Mikey this time, so we don't get to see the Mikey Sherbert face-off. Uh, poor Awaken. It's just, it's just uh, Wolf and, and Leon, eh? There's no Vandal nearby? No? no Keep an eye on things? Nearby. Well, what's no. Vandal doing that's so important? He can't be, he can't hang out with his buddies during the match. I'm telling you, man, that guy's not coordinating the gear. He doesn't care about Awaken's mission statement. Leon Scott, watch your back. <laughs> watch your back, Leon. 
And your front. Yes. Well, watch and, your front from Wolf Wolf Taylor. Once you can't, uh, once you can't trust them, once you can't trust brainwashing with the mission statement, you gotta watch out. <laughs> That's true. But Leon, Leon Scott, he throws Jim Sherbert and Lance Lude over the top rope uh, at various points on to wrestlers gathered on the outside. Um, <laughs> there was a great moment where Sherbert does the whole uh, like cartoon run in place before he's able to uh, get caught and thrown. Oh my <laughs> God. It looks like he's going to sneak up on Leon and then all of a sudden he turns around and he's just running in place. But, like, it it almost looked real. Like, it was so good. <laughs> it was so perfect that I couldn't even believe. I, I believe that it was real. I was like, yeah, that's what happens. That's what you do. I've seen Bugs Bunny do that a thousand times. So, nevertheless, he is caught because, of course, he's not advancing away. And uh, he gets thrown uh, all over the top rope as well. Now, Wolf Taylor with the offense, Wolf Taylor with a bullet. I mean, holy crap. He drops Mike Monroe face first at one point onto the middle turnbuckle, then running knees uh, to, to Monroe. He hits uh, Lance Lude with a super kick. Big time offense out of Wolf Taylor. Big time. He's he's in like three places at once. And uh, I was very impressed with Wolf Taylor here. I feel like Wolf Taylor, every show, kind of ups the ante a little bit more. Um, he was... He was kind of like the the the, the more <laughs> the more quiet member of Awaken for a while there, but uh, ever since he's been tagging with Leon Scott, like he's really pulled the stops out. Typically, when Leon and, and Wolf fight together, Leon will sit back and let Wolf kind of take care of the hard work, you know. Uh, but uh, Wolf, I mean, it seems like every show it's like, oh, then then Wolf Taylor did that really cool thing, and it's like, yeah, that's that's Wolf Taylor, man. He does cool things, <laughs> right? Yeah. Mike Monroe, however, is not simply on the receiving end. He does uh, that. He does this power bomb where he drop that he drops to one knee and power bombs them onto his other knee. Which every time he does it, the entire crowd there's a collective like ooh, because you don't see that. You don't see that ever. And even when he starts to set it up, you don't see it coming. And the next thing you know, you see somebody getting a knee in the middle of their back, and it's just like, yikes. It's a powerbomb uh, backbreaker? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, again, again, I, I will say this about Tech. We, I feel like when we talk about Tech, we spend more time talking about Jim Sherbert than we do Trevor Reed and Mike Monroe. That's just not fair because these guys are very, very good at what they do as well. Mike Monroe, you said right there, uh, good, good uh, innovative offense. Uh, good power moves. He's a power guy. Trevor Reed uh, just gets better and better. He's got the speed. He'll go over that top rope. Um, so, I mean, watching Tech's always impressive. Uh, we've said a thousand times, watching Tech fight the Ugly Ducklings is always a lot of fun to watch. And then when you throw on Awaken, like, it just it makes the match just that much more watchable. Um, so, I'm sure it was insanity, right? Oh, well, of course it's insanity. I mean... Not only does does this big, big Mike Monroe hit the powerbomb backbreaker on Lance Lude, but then uh, along with Trevor Reed, Mike Monroe hits a super bomb 
on to Rob Kiljoy and uh, for a near fall. Uh, at this point, though, when Killjoy recovers, it is a Killjoy free-for-all. <laughs> I mean, you know, say what you will about getting your shit in. Uh, when it works and it's natural, who gives a damn? You know, we want to see you get your shit in. And that's what we see here is everybody kind of gets their shiny moment. When Killjoy goes on his free-for-all, it is a full-blown dropkick fest and uh, a double stomp fest. Uh, it's unreal the, how Rob Killjoy can move in that ring. Uh, at one point, he does a double stomp over the top rope onto Leon on the floor. Like I'm like, you are going to kill someone. <laughs> That's, the point. To That's the point. That's the point. Ribcage. <laughs> But uh, Trevor Reed hits, ends up hitting Lance Lude with the snowplow for a near fall. Uh, at one point, the crowd was clearly chanting Leon. Now, what's up with that? I don't know. Did he pay off the, the crowd? <laughs> did, did he put subliminal messages behind all the, the, the vignettes you saw earlier in the night? Let's like, say, uh, follow us into the desert. And... That's the only possible explanation because why else would Leon Scott be getting a babyface chant? Yeah, man. I, Le I, Leon, I, you got to up the heel, man. You can't get a babyface chant. He did not fool me. I did not cheer him for one second. <laughs> you know the score. You didn't forget <laughs> the bad times. You never will. No. And I won't either, Leon. And I won't either. <laughs> So uh, the action continues. Like I said, uh, people are all over the place. At one point, uh, everyone miss everyone misses a top rope splash, and uh, last of all, Leon goes up very slowly. Leon makes his way to the top rope, very unsure of himself, unsteady, and then he goes for it. And I thought he was going to blow both of his knees out when he landed, but. Uh, uh, at this point, Jim Sherbert uh, really gets his just desserts from a beastly. Uh, Awaken, though. Awaken choke slam code breakers uh, Trevor Reed uh, as Leon provides the choke slam part and Wolf Taylor provides the code breaker part. This is a near fall, and it would have been a pinfall, but it was broken up by Rob Killjoy. And before long, Rob Kiljoy monkey flips Lance Lude into uh, their opponents. And the ugly ducklings are your victors. One, two, three. Yay. The ugly ducklings with assistant coach Beastly win. Gotta love the ducks. Friends of the show. Friends of the show. Ugly ducklings gotta be, uh, I'm sure they're looking, they're looking to score them Fest Wrestling Tag Team Championship belts because... You know the ugly ducklings. You know they're they're all about hashtag all the grilled cheeses. So <laughs> that's only a matter of time before they they meet in the ring once again. Awaken and Tech. I'm sure they'll be around as well. Well, I certainly hope so. It's not a fest wrestling show without these tag teams doing something. I mean, you know, that's the worth the price of admission alone. Tech, ducklings, Awaken. These are fest faithful. These are Died in the wool, as it were. And now it's time for intermission. 
And our intermission band is oof. <laughs> That's right. Oof. Did you fall, Darren? I'm sorry. Yeah. Did you fall? No, I was naming the band that played oof. Oh, I thought you were a cartoon character that had a rough landing and fell on their ass. Yeah. Well, I am, but that's a different story. Uh, okay. So, oof, <laughs> O-O-F is your intermission band. Uh, female lead singer, four-piece, and they were punk AF. This band rocked the place uh, for a solid 20 minutes. And uh, I, I will say, as entertaining as the band was, and they were, really great songs. Gonna have to look them up. Hopefully they're on Spotify. Uh, if not, maybe they got some some rad videos on YouTube. But there was the drunk dude who was dancing right in the lead singer's face for the entirety of their set. <laughs> I'm sure they've seen worse, but still. Oh my God, Perry! It was so funny. <laughs> point it's probably only like 7 p.m and this guy is drunker than i've ever been after midnight like <laughs> it was wonderful and i i i just i it made me smile this guy was having a blast okay good good it's because we're positive here fest wrestling is a very positive experience no shame come as you are and uh, you know, maybe give the lead singer a little space, you know, when you're when you're listening to the music. But uh, yeah. yeah, other than other other than invading her personal bubble, nothing wrong with enjoying the vibe and the tunes and the beer. Yeah, no, you know, no reason to disrespect anyone at Fest Wrestling, except for Leon Scott. He's key. that guy's got it coming. Yeah, Leon, screw you, buddy. <laughs> We come back from intermission and we have our Fest Wrestling World Championship match as your Fest Wrestling World Champion, Effie, the golden boy of Grabass, takes on Leva Bates. Leva Bates, the challenger, and now friend of the show. Friend of the show, Leva Bates. Taking on old-time friend of the show, Effie, who's been on the whole Reffin Show many, many times himself. And uh, Leva surprises everyone with her cosplay of the evening. She comes out cosplaying Effie. <laughs> Nevertheless, despite the pink studded jacket and the daddy trunks and the fishnets and uh, highly suspicious entrance music, the crowd is 110% behind Effie. But that's not where it ends. No, Leva mimics Effie's every move, like an eight-year-old younger sibling would do. <laughs> like, every single thing Effie does, Leva uh, completely mimics it. Um, now, Frank Gastineau, referee, trying desperately to get the match underway. Uh, so, uh, how do they respond? Well, Effie plants a big one. Right on Frankie's kisser. And Leva, who's mimicking Effie's every move, she does the same. Much to everyone's surprise, Frankie throws both of them out of the ring. Both of them turn, Effie and Leva, and flip him off at the same time while saying, 
fuck you, Frankie. <laughs> Not to be outdone, Frankie bounces off the far set of ropes, dives through the opposing set of ropes onto both Effie and Leva. And at this point, the brawling begins between Effie and Leva. Leva splashes Effie off of the bar railing, uh, much like Darby Allen and Saeed Al-Sabah earlier. Both Effie and Leva crash to the hardwood floor, letting uh, flesh hit wood. And uh, it is quite a, a, a calamitous car wreck. Effie is brutalizing Leva with chops before taking her back to the ring. At one point, Leva reverses a powerbomb into an amazing Canadian destroyer. The crowd unanimously, every member of the Fest family to a person, uh, can be heard audibly with a ooh. Uh, just <laughs> absolutely crazy. Now, at one point, Leva stacks chairs uh, chairs up on Effie and then hits begins to hit the stack with another chair. Now Effie throws off all the chairs and sets them up as like a foursome, like facing each other, beating Leva down from the top rope. And then all of a sudden Leva's like, no, 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 no. Turns the tables and hits a top rope pedigree on Effie onto the four chairs. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, I saw I saw the the clip of that on uh, on Twitter. It looked pretty pretty gnarly. I know Effie Effie uh, fucked his leg up pretty good to that spot. Yeah, he told me later it was like somebody had taken a cheese grater to his leg. Yeah, that's 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 no good. Oh, that's super gnarly. Oh, well. only him and maybe Abdul the butcher know what that feels like. <laughs> yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. In the end, though, Effie wins the match with a dragon sleeper leg scissors combo. Leva taps out. Wow. Yeah, Effie dominates her to the point that she has to tap out. There's no way that she can escape this double submission hold by the Golden Boy of Grabass. Now, Effie quickly grabs the microphone, asking for Tony Weinbender's whereabouts. He questions Tony's methods or efforts or scheming however you want to call it uh questioning why tony would spend so much money uh as effie says too much money on indie hype boys wow now i'm thinking wow effie come on man bite the hand that feeds you what's up buddy and then before i can even think too much video screen pops back on Effie's tirade is interrupted by Joey Ryan on the big screen from Tokyo, Japan. Joey Ryan challenges Effie for the Fest Wrestling Championship in two months at Bring Your Mom 2. That's Bring Your Mom T-O-O. I love that it's the T-O-O spelling. <laughs> I really do. Oh, yeah. So, Joey Ryan is your new number one contender to the Fest Wrestling World Championship, and he will be challenging Effie for that title at Bring Your Mom 2. So that left the crowd rather stunned, and yet we've still got two more matches to go. That is crazy. 
Yeah, I saw the Joey Ryan video on YouTube, and you can too, fans. Check it out. Um, also, I think it's on Fest's Instagram. And uh, it's awesome. All the way from Japan. Joey Ryan is serious. He Obviously, Joey Ryan made a pretty big impact at the last Bring Your Mom, where he tantalized some of the moms, some of the mothers that were in attendance. And uh, I'm sure he's looking to do it again, but it would be nice to also leave with a Fest Wrestling Championship belt around his waist as well. In the penultimate match of the evening, the Gym Nasty Boys put their grilled cheeses, that's right, those brand new shiny white and gold beautiful Fest Wrestling Tag Team Championships. I believe they call the them line. yams. I believe they call them yams. That's right. I'm still thinking about the ducks. Right. <laughs> no, these are the Gym Nasty Boys, and they are the championships. <laughs> Around the waists of Timmy Lou Retton and White Mike. They take on the Carnies. Now, this match starts with a whole lot of gaga. A whole lot of gaga. But it's the Gymnasties. It's the Carnies. Uh, I, am I, I feel like I'm at a county fair with the Carnies, and they're kind of creeping me out with the striped <laughs> pants. And the, the bat mask and uh, all the tattoos. They're, they're spooky, man. It's spooky, dirty, dusty, smells like cow manure. And the milk bottles are glued to the two by fours. And the ring toss is rigged. And my darts aren't sharp. It's, this is very, it's very specific, Darren. Did you have a bad experience at a county fair once? I did. I'm okay. not a big fan of the carnival. <laughs> and so uh, the carnies, the carnies kind of freak me out, man. They really do. Well, don't but let the gymnastics know. boys, they make me smile. So that's okay. It's kind of a wash. It's kind of a wash by my feelings. But uh, I, I still, I am amazed at the agility of Timmy Lou Redden uh, with the kip ups and the Owen Hart spot where he go, he flips over on his head like, what? How this man been doing, like, literally been doing gymnastics since infancy? Like, it's it's wild. Timmy Lou Retton's agility is crazy. Uh, now, one thing I thought about this match, and, and I do like the Cardis. I, I am freaked out by them, but I do like them. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but think, and I know it's tough. You can't do this kind of thing on the independence because of paydays, blah, 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 blah. But hashtag if wrestling were real, the Carnies would work so well as like a five or six piece group. And because I love what they're doing. I love that as the Carnies, the two of them are representing like different aspects of the carnival. I do love that, but it's like now imagine if there were like like seriously, if they had a female wrestler, if they had a bearded lady wrestler with them oh my god dude <laughs> like, a, like a trapeze artist maybe uh and then have somebody that could be like uh i i don't know just it would work so well as a five or six piece group no i i, 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 I understand what you're saying kind of like the oddities were in wwe but like yeah you add the more members you add though it's like <laughs> come and book the carnies folks only seven thousand dollars <laughs> yeah come and book the carnies and only the Carnies. Yeah, basically. Watch the Carnies just wrestle themselves, basically. But it is just the two of them, of course. And uh, the Carnies, 
and the Gymnasty Boys, this is great tag team action. Uh, once the Gaga goes away, it is solid wrestling. Hot, hot babyface tags for Timmy Lou Retton. Lots of Timmy love out of the Fest Wrestling family. Uh, lots of Carnies mocking the Gymnasty Boys. So Carnies get a lot of mileage out of making fun of the Gymnasty Boys. Uh, and I think they'll, they'll come to regret that before the night is over. Mike hits that 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 can opener, that spinning that spinning uh, finisher on uh, onto Iggy, and uh, but Iggy grabs the rope. That's right, Nick Iggy is able to grab the rope. Now, at one point, I don't know how they pulled this off, but the Carnies managed to get White Mike into a position with Timmy Lou Retton, and Mike hits a Canadian destroyer on Timmy Lou Retton facilitated by the Carnies. The Carnies forced this to happen. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell what I was seeing except it was like, that's all wrong. No, stop it. Smoke and mirrors, chicanery and shenanigans. The Carnies, they're, they're yeah. devious. They're deceptive. But Timmy Lou Retton is able to hit a rock bottom on to White Mike's Codebreaker, and we have a victory for the Gymnasty Boys defending their Fest Wrestling Tag Team Championships. So good on the Gymnasties. Better luck next time, Carnies. Very cool. Successful tag team title defense from the Gymnasty Boys. Uh, Carnies are not uh, easily beaten. Uh, I mean, they've got they've got uh, they got some size, decent amount of size, a lot of ability. Uh, and as you as you described, uh, deceptive tactics as well. Uh, Gymnasty boys, though they, they they got the goods, and they still got them titles. So looking forward to seeing the defend them at the next show. You know it, but that is not it for this night in Gainesville. There is still one more match: the main event, a brand new match in the world of professional wrestling, a hardcore hunt match. Let me just set up the contenders in this match. Vandal of Awaken takes on CJ O'Doyle, who is announced as 228 pounds of man. <laughs> he is also announced as the Aria Blake assassin. Nice. So take take that, Aria Blake. Obviously, that, um, that's a playoff of the triple threat match they had uh, a few Fest Wrestling shows ago. <laughs> Jamie Senegal in this match. Kira Hogan making her Fest Wrestling debut. Jimmy Lloyd of CCW making his return to Fest Wrestling. Veda Scott also making her return after an absence of a few shows. Angel Rose also, also, also making a return after many missed Fest shows. Always in attendance out for health reasons until this night. Such a great uh, chance to see Angel Rose. It was really awesome to see her back in action. And Sue Young, the undead bride, rounding out the list of the competition here. The friend of the show, also, Sue Young. Yeah. You know, we <laughs> need to have Sue on the show again. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. So we know who's in the match. Uh, for those of you who did not tune in last week when we talked about this event uh, with Rich Bokini, 
Uh, here, here are the rules for the hardcore hunt match. It is a hardcore scramble match. Again, that's funny because it involves eggs. Uh, it involves eight giant Easter eggs. They're filled with mystery items, uh, probably weapons, uh, and uh, they are hidden throughout the venue while the uh, wrestlers in the match are actually blindfolded and uh, have to basically wait in the ring until the eggs are hidden. Uh, and it's uh, basically uh, <laughs> a hardcore, no-DQ match, and uh, there could be only one winner. Yep, and uh, what's what's really great is, uh, while the eggs are being hidden, Teddy Stigma, friend of the show. Yay! Good the show, Teddy Stigma makes his return to Fest Wrestling, as we have learned, he is on the long, slow road to recovery from uh, serious knee surgery. Well, he's still got the leg brace on, and he's got his walking cane, but his hair looks fantastic. It does it at all. And his uh, sports jacket, looking sharp. Sports jacket and shorts, always a good combo. <laughs> Teddy joins Rich Bokini and Max Gregg on commentary. Uh, so, while they're all sitting in the ring, they've been forced to sit in a circle with their blindfolds on, Sue takes off her blindfold first and proceeds to play, uh, essentially play duck-duck-goose with everyone else uh, in the match. It's, this would have been the perfect place for the ugly ducklings, by the way. <laughs> Sue eventually unmasks C.J. O'Doyle, who then gets on the microphone and berates everyone for not being, in fact, hardcore. Uh, but by the time he finally turns back around, takes his attention off the crowd, and returns his attention to all of his opponents, they have now all stood up and unmasked themselves, and all seven of them superkick C.J. O'Doyle at once. Nice. And that's pretty, it's a really, really cool visual. Uh, very excellent timing. And C.J. O'Doyle, clearly one of the most hated people who have ever been in Fest Wrestling. And boy, did uh, the crowd and his opponents let him know it. <laughs> so at one point, Sue jumps out of the ring with her uh, Singapore cane and uh, goes after Teddy Stigma. And uh, he uses his walking cane to protect himself. And Sue and Teddy have a sword fight. Uh, on the on the commentary perch, uh, uh, only for a little while. Vandal has uh, been placed in a chair off to the side of the commentary perch, and eventually Sue turns her attention to him and does a flip off of the commentary perch onto Vandal, uh, and the two of them crash to the ground. It's a really excellent visual, and uh, you know, didn't feel good for Vandal to have a body. I'm flying at him while in a steel chair. And then again, back to that unforgiving hardwood floor at eight seconds bar and saloon. After a few minutes, Jamie Senegal assists Veda Scott in her attempt to uh, old school to walk the uh, top rope. And then uh, while holding Jamie's hand, Veda splashes everyone on the outside and not to be outdone. Jamie Senegal turns around, hits a surprising middle rope moonsault. Great hang time, excellent form, crashing onto everyone and hitting the floor. Now, 
All the while, Vandal has recovered, and he's set up uh, a door, one of those fantastic fest wrestling doors, <laughs> on the tops of two bar stools. Now they're just starting to go after the eggs. What's in these eggs? We're going to slowly find out. But before we get a chance to find out, Vandal brings Jamie Senegal over uh, and places Jamie on to one of these doors. Vandal then climbs to the top of a 20-foot ladder, and as if that is not high enough, Vandal then climbs up onto the railing that's <laughs> along the side of the wall there at eight seconds, damn near to the ceiling, and Vandal drops all of his weight, free-falling, onto Jamie Senegal, and it was one of the loudest loudest uh, collisions I've ever heard in any pro wrestling match in my life. It looked pretty rough. I, I saw the video of that as well online. Um, that that door that uh, Jamie is on top of just disintegrates into a thousand pieces when the when Vandal actually lands on uh, Jamie. So, I mean, it, it looks super painful. I can't imagine what it felt like. And I, I like the way Vandal takes it, too. Like, he... He looks like he's dead. Like he he falls forward. He doesn't like roll over on his side or anything. He's like just dead with his arms like straight out like Superman. And he's just laying on the ground. I bet he immediately regretted that. I'm sure in his brain he was like, yeah, I could do that. And then he did it. And he was like, why'd I do that? So anyway, look Again, cool. Vandal's, uh, Vandal's rib cage and knees and uh, poor Jamie's rib cage. I, I just... Cannot feel good after that type of collision. Now, but that's not going to be it for Jamie. Oh, no. Jamie trying to steal Jason Cade's whipping boy title. <laughs> Jamie is grabbed by C.J. O'Doyle, who delivers a huge pile driver to Jamie through another door that's set up atop two chairs. Pile driver through the door, off the ring apron, to the floor, and I yelled, oh my God, he's dead. <laughs> it was a really gnarly spot. This, I haven't felt that way in a long time. Like, again, it's the type of spot that, I mean, and I was, I was filled with pride and glee at seeing something that was awesome in a, a form of entertainment that I love, but it wasn't the same bloodlust that I would have felt uh, as a teenager. I was like, oh no, is everybody okay? I wanted to be everybody's dad. Yeah, the, the uh, older we get, the more it's like, oh no, he's he has a family. Like we become, we become Tony right. Schiavone and Jim Ross, who are like the voice of reason. Like, what are you doing? Think about your future. And back in the day, it was like, do it. Kill yourself for us. So it's, hey, uh, yeah. it's all part of it. 16-year-old me would have been very disappointed in my reaction. 16-year-old <laughs> me wants every match to be a Taipei broken glass taped fist match. Right. No, I, I, I'm all for that also. Now, again, breaking into these Easter eggs, we're starting to get all sorts of stuff, including... Multiple staple guns. And you know it's about to get gnarly when there are staple guns. Kira Hogan gets a hold of a staple gun. 
and uh, wreaks havoc with it. She she eventually staples everyone, including C.J. O'Doyle, right in the nether realm. <laughs> and the nether regions? That's exactly what happens. The Easter Bunny comes back out slowly, innocently, and then, hey, Stone Cold Steve Austin said it best, D-T-A. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that anyone includes the Easter Bunny. Yeah. And so the Easter Bunny turns on everybody and hits a series of Stone Cold Stunners. <laughs> Easter Bunny stuns everyone. Now, the ladder, the big-ass ladder that Vandal was uh, dealing with earlier is back in the ring because high above the ring is what appears to be the last egg. It's a lighted egg. It's, it's wrapped in colored lights. Sue Young climbs the ladder and gets that egg. It's full of jelly beans, which then fill the ring. Uh, at one point, uh, Sue is able to spit blood in Veda's face because Veda's trying to climb up the ladder and pull uh, Sue Young off of it. Uh, but the problem is the red mist, the blood that Sue Young spits in Veda's face doesn't hurt Veda. You know why? Because Veda's got glasses on. Because Veda's got glasses on. And before you know it, Veda proud of herself, free of the red mist, powerbomb Sue Young onto the jelly beans. One, two, three. Wow. Vena Scott wins the hardcore hunt. That's that's a shocking turn of events. I mean, like we talked about going into the match, it really could be anyone. And uh, we said it came down to the to the the contents of the eggs, and in the end, it was the jelly beans that did Sue Young in. So I bet Veda Scott's wishing it was for the Fest Wrestling Championship, but nonetheless, to you know get the victory over Sue Young, that's a pretty big deal uh, anywhere you go, let alone at Fest Wrestling, where she's been so dominant for the past year. So that's cool. I mean, I, I got I, I can't wait to to watch this match. I'm looking forward to seeing this show. Yeah, I cannot wait for the show to hit Pivot Share or even just some more clips to hit YouTube. I, of course, have my personal videos, which are fun to watch. And uh, But, yeah, I, I'm really excited about seeing watching this show as a whole uh, again and seeing it from the camera's point of view. I, uh, you, you, you can never replicate the experience of seeing any wrestling show live, certainly not Fest Wrestling. Uh, nevertheless, it is great to go back and see a video of, of the proceedings because uh, it's such a special product. It's such a rare, unique, and uh, honest-to-goodness, damn fine wrestling product that, uh, that Tony puts on, that he promotes, and that all of these fine, athletic, uh, skilled, talented men and women bring to, to, to Fest Wrestling. And the atmosphere is second to none. And it's family, and it's, I dare say, it's for life. It is for life. It is for life. So, another successful, fun show in Gangsville, Florida at 8 seconds, folks. If you can make it to a Fest Wrestling show, make it so, because you will not be let down. You will not be disappointed. That's not possible. 
Um, and I definitely got to find my way back over to the East Coast to go check out the next one. Again, Bring Your Mom 2 coming at you in May. So be there or be square. Dancing at eight seconds where that typically takes place. Uh, this is true. So that's it for Fest Wrestling Hardcore Hunt. It was a lot of fun uh, hearing about the show from you, Darren. And again, looking forward to the video popping up on the internet. I saw lots of stuff, lots of talk about it. Everyone had a good time, it seemed like, on social media, so that's very cool. Again, gotta, gotta shout out to Leva Bates. I know how much that match meant to her with Effie. We wish her all the luck in the world. It's, it's hard, though, to, to, <laughs> for anyone to be pit against our boy Effie. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, she did not uh, win the match, but, you know, Effie won. So we win either way to us. Um, but, uh, again, Leva Bates... Thank you again for last week's episode where you gave us uh, your time and we heard all about uh, your fest experience. If you haven't checked that out, folks, go back last week and check out the Leva Bates interview. It's a lot of fun. And hope you enjoyed our episode where we talked about fest wrestling and, of course, all the things going on in WWE's world this weekend. NXT TakeOver, New Orleans, WrestleMania 34. Tell us all about it. Tell us about what you think about uh, what's going to happen this week. Tell us about what happens after this weekend. Uh, let us know how. Well, there are a lot of ways. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast, R-E-F-N, S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We appreciate that. Uh, send us a Gmail if you want to at the whole Refn Show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com or... Find us on Instagram. That's where we have a lot of fun looking at pictures, sharing pictures, liking pictures, commenting on pictures, asking questions, sharing jokes, making astute observations, scratching one another's backs, and generally keeping up with all things pro wrestling. From the WWE and WrestleMania to Fest Wrestling, from the past to the present, we do our best to predict the future. Please join our Instagram at the whole Refn Show. There's almost a thousand of you who have. Wonder who will be number one thousand. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna, up. I'm gonna unfollow so I can hopefully follow right at the one thousand. Uh, maybe we should do something for our one thousandth Instagram follower. No, no, that costs money. So that's it for us here, folks. At the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole ref and show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And we're going to see you next week, everyone. Have a safe, fun weekend. If you are over in NOLA, uh, enjoy WrestleMania and TakeOver. And if you're in NOLA and you see me, say something. If you see something, say something. <laughs> look out for Darren. Look out for the mustache. Away for the Shut up, Mooney!